Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little odd. This is the Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Oddcast with me, Dreadful Dan G, and as always, me, <laughs> Sammy, <laughs> Sammy LG. Um, Sam, hello everyone, how's it going? I'm good. Um, how's your week been? Uh, I've actually had numerous health problems. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> I won't go into, into too much detail, but um, one of them includes um, my stomach and another one includes my back. I couldn't actually walk for an extensive period of time, which was really annoying. But um, I'm okay now, kind of. So, um, yeah. How about you? What was your problem? What was your problem? Yeah, I had some stomach problems as well. Um, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, like a symptom of our rock and roll lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we just needed some heroin, really, to kind of you know, yeah, get rid of it. calm it down. Yeah. <laughs> but, just to um, quell yeah. the gnawing. Yeah, the normal painkillers don't do it anymore. I took 50 aspirin in one day. <laughs> it fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well... Now we're in peak health, mm. um, which you need to be for tackling an episode like this. Um, mm. We can we can get down to brass tacks um, because today we're going to be discussing King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, Ooh. a huge topic. Um, if you don't know, if you've been under a rock, they are one of the biggest, hardest working, most prolific bands that are around today, um, constantly in the press because of their... Uh, I think creative and inventive ways of promoting their new music. Um, mm. 
they are a psychedelic garage rock band from Melbourne in Australia uh, that mm. formed in 2010. Um, and across the last 10 years, they've released 15 albums exploring a range of mostly sort of 60s and 70s subgenres and sounds, uh, including garage rock, psychedelic rock, acid rock, prog rock, jazz fusion, blues, soul, uh, even some disco, um, and most recently bringing it right up to the modern day of the 1980s with some <laughs> unalloyed balls to the wall thrash metal. Um, so, I mean, that's rock. just. Yeah, well, maybe that's to come. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's just off the top of my head. Um, Sam, you a fan of the band? So, yeah, I mean, like you'd you'd been speaking about them for for quite a while, um, and I'd heard them from a couple of other friends, some mutual friends as well, and I'd heard a few tracks, and I was like, okay, yeah, cool. But like, I was never, um, let's say, I was never like overwhelmed with having to like go out and. Uh, listen to it or anything like that but even though you kept harping on harping on about it um but yeah so I guess coming in I was pretty fresh and I should say that I, in, a, in a week <laughs> I've listened to every <laughs> single every single album um so that is commendable going, yeah everything that is commendable because so, I gave you I suggested seven albums didn't I that we yeah. might focus on that you could listen to but yeah. you've done us proud I've done every single one yeah, I was thinking it and of like going through your highlighted ones and I was just like, you know what, I need to like, if we're doing a deep dive, I need to listen to all this really, like to know exactly the context of how every album sits within all the others. Your um, head must be literally swimming in giz. It is. It's literally, I've, I've just got, I've got jizz on my face and giz in my head. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, real, it's a real problem. Maybe that's um, been the source of your stomach problems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> god um but yeah it's been it's been quite strange because i feel like in that last week i i think i was telling you this briefly um i feel like i've been on this weird sonic journey <laughs> of like different sounds and all these different things and um it's been really weird but um an extremely enjoyable experience um and i've definitely come out the other end um liking them more than what I went in. Not that I didn't like them when I went in, but I, I definitely, I mean, I know we're going to get into it, but um, I definitely would say that I like the band now, put it that way. Hooray! That's good. <laughs> so you, you, you won, yeah. Relief. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a big fan. Um, I probably got into them around the time of um, Nonagon Infinity, like a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um. And since then, I've kind of just got really, really obsessed, like I thought a lot of other people do. But probably because, you know, part of my whole thing with music is I really like collecting vinyl and they're a really good band for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've seen, um, I saw some of the, uh, when I was kind of just doing a little bit of just general research, um, they do a lot of cool vinyl presses, right? And uh, yeah. limited runs or whatever. And um yeah, I saw a lot of talk online about yeah people go crazy um, collecting it because I know you did yourself right with your YouTube channel. Did I, I did indeed some of the stuff. Yeah, yeah, I did an unboxing of. Um, I bought a bunch of their stuff. They reissued the first four albums and the first EP um, in limited run, and did it as like a, a package. Uh, I didn't have any of those, so I bought all of those at the same time as a couple of uh, Infest the Rats nests. Mm -hmm. And I, I did a sort of unboxing on uh, on that when uh, that came out. Um, yeah, I've been collecting quite a lot of their stuff, but we'll come to that when we get to Nerd's Corner. 
oh, uh, later in the episode. Um, so well, I'm glad you enjoyed the band because that makes the next uh, two hours probably a lot more enjoyable for us both <laughs> after <laughs> last week's Wild Beasts. Yeah, but there's a few like, uh, you know, I have to say there's a few like dips and troughs um, as I was kind of going through it. Uh, but yeah, I'm interested in what, because we, we haven't really talked about their work because I've just not listened to it. So yeah, I'm interested in what you liked and what you didn't like. Because I think of them as a very much a Dan kind of band, especially with some of the songs, some of the albums. Cool. Um, yeah, so I'm quite looking forward to getting into it. Brilliant. So, I mean, just for everyone listening, the reason we're talking about them as well now, I think, is because, you know, they are so... Uh, topical right now. They just came off the back of um, releasing their first concert film, uh, Chunky Shrapnel. And just two weeks ago, they dropped a teaser of a brand new song, which seems to be alluding to album 16 coming sometime soon. Um, And we'll come to that shortly. Uh, But a little bit of trivia for anyone who doesn't know anything about the band. Um, They were formed basically by a group of mates who just started out jamming like any really good band does really so they're all friends and i think they've got that kind of like gang feel which is nice to kind of build, uh, buy into mm. they feel like mates just having a really great time all the time um they are, are a septet and they've had the same lineup since the beginning which is another kind of nice thing i think about about the band um so you've got Stu mckenzie he's the lead vocalist guitarist and the chief songwriter mm. ambrose kenny smith He's, uh, he plays the harmonica, some keyboards, and he makes some um, songwriting contributions and occasionally does some vocals. Uh, I think he sings lead on a couple of songs. And he's also the leader of another band called the Murlocs. Okay. Um, you've got Joey Walker. He's uh, one of the guitarists, and he sometimes writes a few songs. Uh, Cook Craig, Cookie, who, again, is another guitarist, um he's also in the murlocs uh playing bass and he's got his own solo project called pie pie and he's released a couple of albums over the last few years can i just ask what kind of music's murlocs then is it the same kind of stuff or is it different it's in a similar vein i think it's a bit more bluesy because the um because of uh, ambrose i think the harmonica is more prominent in it but it's very much in the same wheelhouse okay um i'm quite quite like to hear i haven't heard any pie pie um because as we come to them later you know the few contributions that he's made to king gizzard i tend to really like them all Mm. um then you've got lucas skinner uh, the bassist uh michael kavanagh or calves is the drummer and then you've got eric moore who seems to be like a bit of the like the butt of the band, butt of the joke all the time. <laughs> but he's like a second right. drummer or occasional like percussionist. I've seen some early live footage where he's just sort of like running around on stage, um, hitting whatever he can find. Bit of a, um, I was about to say, Begbie. Isn't that what I mean? <laughs> oh, um, that's train spotting. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Bez. Who am I thinking of? Bez, that's it. Bez. Yeah, right. I think he's got more going on than Bez. Um, Oh, Someone the band referred to him as the boss. Right, okay. Because he he set up the record label Flightless, and he seems to be the person who's mainly involved in the operation of that. So as well as like all their recording that's going on all the time, all their touring, and you know these guys have got other bands, and they're running a whole record label. 
Um, that's cool. So that's another thing that's really cool about bands that they've been able to be completely uh, independent in that regard. And they're actually mm. putting out stuff by other bands and their friends. So the whole thing, you know, it's just like a really good feel good kind of band. It harks back yeah. to, you know, like punk bands that were just like totally DIY and back themselves and, and just made stuff happen. Doing it for the music, the love of the, the love of the music. Yeah. <laughs> um, poor old Eric Moore as well. On um, Paper Mache Dream Balloon, he's literally mm. credited nothing. <laughs> that's great that's a good fucking sense of humor to steal uh, that in to make it to call him call him out on it or whatever brilliant there's some video as well because they're always uploading like loads of behind the scenes videos and he's sitting there on his drum kit and he's like they've revoked my bass drum privileges <laughs> it obviously decided like, bass drum. a bit sloppy or something so they've just gone no take that away <laughs> uh, that's great uh, what a um, bunch of Aussie, Aussie lads, eh? Uh, um, Jason Galea, I should mention, not in the band, but he is responsible for all of the artwork since 12 Bar Brews. Um, mm. And that includes, so that includes not just the you know, album artwork, but all of their music videos, um, a lot of the look of basically everything that they upload to their channel. Um, mm-hmm. And that artwork is such an important part of i think the whole the band you know all of the aesthetic of the band but also what's cool is his artwork sometimes references stuff that's going on in the lyrics and sort of adds to it adds some depth um okay. he takes inspiration from kind of like, like retro fantasy and cult imagery like old sci-fi paperbacks vhs covers from the 80s you know, amiga games that kind of thing and i think that's an aesthetic that you know a lot of people millennials and even people our age <laughs> really really likes yeah that's yeah, yeah when i think about it um you know because i did kind of like whiz through them but yeah the artwork did interest me um yeah that's that's cool that it kind of plays such an important part it's actually in you know kind of feeds into the the band and the music itself and vice versa. yeah i think it's unusual for someone you know band to stick with one artist like that but I mean, it's definitely paid off for them in just like building this whole kind of world around them mm. um so really i think like in 10 years i mean what they've achieved is absolutely incredible um and like i said you know it's all been or seemingly on their own terms on their own label they self-produce themselves um i think it's interesting that they've managed to grow a pretty huge following uh, quite organically um, you know, I was thinking they're kind of perfect for the current like media climate because they've been able to really capitalize on using social media um, and they promote themselves very creatively. You know, they drop a lot of teasers. And, like I said, they upload a lot of like behind the scenes footage. Um, mm-hmm. and they're very giving. They do a lot of fan service, you know. They make sure the fans get what they want. Right. Um. And, you know, so, like I said, the visual aspect as well is there with them giving all these amazing, like, vinyl editions and things. They know that that's part of the appeal for their uh, bands. And I know, like, some people then would be like, oh, you know, there's just too much to collect and it's expensive and all of this. But um, for most fans, that's a pleasure. It's like when they announce a new record, it's starting to sort of, like, anticipate what are all these vinyl variations going to be. Um, yeah. So there's a whole lot of different like tangents, I think, to like 
why the band work beyond just the music. Mm. Um, so at the moment, there's a lot of excitement and kind of conjecture around the fact they've dropped this new song, Honey. And mm-hmm. Did you see that, Sam? I did, yeah. I had a listen to it. I thought it was... Um, uh, so it, I thought it was going back to their like, more psychedelic style of stuff. Um, I listened to it a couple of times because uh, it, it sounds like a bit... No, actually, I shouldn't say psychedelics. It's not really. It was because um, it's hard to kind of pinpoint what the sound is sometimes. But I think it kind of sounded like, to me, it sounded like a kind of uh, like a Midnight Cowboys style, like seventies film yeah. or something, with like uh, you know, it's kind of country person walking through New York or something. It's kind of got this bluesy country sound, but um, yeah, it's something I could see like on top of like a seventies trailer or something like that. Um, and I thought it was all right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird because it's like that kind of stuff isn't my favorite stuff of theirs. Um, yeah. To be honest. So it's not like I was into going, oh, great. And, you know, can't, can't wait for them to go back and do some more of this stuff. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I thought it was, it was all right. I thought it was all right as well. I'm not that um, blown away by it. It sounds a lot to me like a track, uh, Sleep Drifter, um, or the first half anyway. And, and then later, halfway through, it kind of changes and becomes a bit more explorative, I think. Um, right. But people are excited, and I'm excited as well, because Sleep Drifter is from their album Flying Microtonal Banana, which was kind of um, subtitled, I think, Explorations in Micro-Tuning Number 1. So everyone's been waiting mm-hmm. for a volume two. So this seems to be hinting that that might be coming. And like the typeface they've used is the same as the typeface on that album. Um, so more of that I hope so because that possibly might be my favourite album of theirs Um, (laughs) but you never know because they do tease things and then throw you a curveball but the exciting thing is there's no doubt album 16 coming sometime soon so I'm already starting to save up my pennies. <laughs> it's only been like, what, two weeks since the last yeah. album? So I yeah. imagine <laughs> yeah, I'm already cracking on. Uh, um, so, you know, the outline of this show, the rest of the show, is we're now going to basically go through each album uh, in their catalogue. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go into too much detail, are we, Sam? But I think there's a few albums that we've, we should dive into a bit more because they're kind of milestones I think along the uh along the way mm. um to you know they're ones that maybe were kind of points at which they developed their sound further developed the sound further like you said it's kind of hard sometimes to pinpoint but generally they're in this kind of like they're a garage rock band with psychedelic aspects and from there that kind of is a touch point to explore some of these other 60s 70s sounds um so we're gonna try and take in the more notable ones i think before yeah. we get to that i just wanted to put in a note on the Gizverse, mm-hmm. um because if we weave that into the discussion we could be here for absolutely hours um sam have you heard of han tayumi no why so what, ha- she's, what she's what she told you <laughs> Sam, he came to me 
and it was the murder of my universe. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Okay. Right. It's all that. It's all that stuff. All that is stuff. The, is it um, one of the spoken word people? Yeah. So he's a character. He's a cyborg um, that appeared in Murder of the Universe. Um, but his name is an anagram of humanity. Uh, wham whoa that got deep quick (laughs) (laughs) jumping into Uh, a pit of quicksand (laughs) (laughs) so um so the gizverse is the kind of uh folklore or mythology that some fans believe is woven into the songs of king gizzard um and i'm always a bit skeptical about this kind of thing um, like I said, I really like the kind of all the visual aspects and it feels like they're alluding to deeper things going on. Um, but at the same time, a lot of it's quite sort of like broad fantasy and sci-fi references. So you can kind of read into it what you want, I think. Um, but yeah, this character, Han Tayumi, he seems to pop up a lot. And like I said, the artwork, so Jason Galea obviously then explores this a bit more you'll notice him popping up in like he's in the video for um oh what's the song one of the songs off nonagon infinity um and later on he is on the cover of the fishing for fishies album and they're basically i think around Mm. the time of um i'm in your mind fuzz people started noticing more more of this and really when they dropped nonagon infinity which is like so really like high concept um that there is some kind of narrative and then that gets picked up again on Polygon to Wonderland uh, Mm -hmm. and Murder of the Universe. But there's basically all this stuff about kind of um, using Nonagon Infinity to open the door to like being immortal, um, seeming to like open up some kind of like apocalypse. Uh, There's this character who is like the last human, Han Tayumi, who turns himself into a cyborg. Um... And then, basically, the universe is killed by Han Tayumi. Um, and, and then you get what's, to... What's happening? I mean, what you, it's mad. What is going on? What? <laughs> well, what I think... I just want to talk, think... about some, <laughs> talk about some music. <laughs> I destroyed the universe. Sorry, go on. <laughs> I think, I mean, it's fun. There's this, and I can see why a lot of fans get hooked on and go down that rabbit hole of looking for clues. And I think that's probably, you know, they're doing that intentionally. But but he's set up a kind of framework within which I think, you know, he can, can keep adding, like Stu can keep adding to this in his songwriting if he wants to and play around with it. Um, mm. But within that, you know, all these big high concepts, themes about the end of the world and the apocalypse and man becoming machine, you know, he can use that to explore um probably themes that he does want to within his songwriting that relate like you know he's he's a vegan and he seems very environmentally aware so i think a lot of it is about basically man killing himself and killing the killing the planet Um, okay but if anyone's interested in that whole thing i found on youtube an amazing six-part series Uh, it took me about an hour and a half to watch the whole thing by a user called motion in art um so it was quite entertaining as well. Even if you take it all the pinch of salt and you don't buy into it, um, it was it was very good. So I recommend that. 
So without further ado at this point, are you ready, Sam, to go into some music? Oh, I am so ready. Bring on the lizard wizard, otherwise known as Prince Harry. (laughs) Here he comes. in 2010 and that year they did release two singles um there was sleep with summer and then hey there with ants and bats um both incredibly rare you'll never find a copy probably um and then they followed it up in march of 2011 with anglesey um of which there were only 150 copies made on cd um, and it's never been re-released, but obviously, you know, you can go online and find it. So that's their first kind of proper EP. It's got four songs on it. Um, and I hadn't heard it actually until researching this show. And I was quite impressed actually by how fully formed their sound already was. And it's a little bit different to what came after. Um, really, really like a strong surf guitar sound on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but already you've got all the high distortion and fuzziness and everything going on. It's a fun release. Um, but then they followed that up later that year, so in October of 2011, with uh, Willoughby's Beach, which is really the starting point for most fans. Um, again, that only came out on a very limited edition, a, te- a yellow 10-inch vinyl of 350 copies, uh, as well as a CD. Um, did you listen? Well, you did, I believe, listen to this one. I did, yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess like for me, this was, um, I, uh, our friend Rich said that um, their early stuff was very garage rock, uh, which I hadn't really heard until now. Um, and yeah, it's very much of that, like very OCs, um, yeah, high distortion, kind of like high in the EQ range, uh, that kind of like surfer garage rock, an element of like, you know, B-52s, a lot yeah. of flange. They love flange. Basically, all their albums feel like have <laughs> flange all over it. Um, 60s, there's an element of like Crystal Stilts or like Brian Jonestown Massacre maybe. Um, but I like that the songs were like short as well. It was like, you know, um, it felt very efficient. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think like the, what is it, the first track, Danger, Dollar Dollar or whatever. Danger um, Money. Danger Money, sorry. And um, Black yeah. Tooth. I really liked as well. Um, and I don't know, there was an element of like, and I think it comes into more uh, like 12 Bar Brews as well. I, I don't know, it's like almost like kind of stoner rock in some places and sometimes like throughout kind of their stuff, but also like a little bit here, I detected, I don't know, like almost like Queens of the Stone Age kind of stuff. I don't know, in some parts of some of the riffs. Um, yeah. And obviously that high fuzz, high distortion, kind of like almost like pop punk sometimes. Um at some points. And one thing I should say, which I'm not sure if it came through in this album, one thing like throughout, um, is I felt like they do love their scales, like everything kind of um that going up, uh there's a word begins with C and I can't think of it, but going up in like a scale and like kind of back down, um, and playing with the kind of notes 
inside of that, if that makes sense. I th- I, throughout, um, I've made like notes where it's like you can really hear it um, throughout the discography that we're about to get to. Um, but yeah, this was like a really strong start for me, this EP. I was like, yeah, I feel like I've listened to it before, if you know what I mean, like with OCs and stuff. It's very much of that yeah. time. Um, but I was still like, yeah, yeah, this was this is good. If I listened to this back in the day, then I'd be like, this is fucking cool. Yeah, I can get on board with this. Um, and it's still, still good, still stands up. Uh, I'm a big fan of Danger Money as well. I think what you just said there about Queens of the Stone Age is quite interesting because that kind of aspect of their sound isn't really talked about much, but I think it comes through more prominently later. But there's definitely like like frazzled, kind of scorched, almost like desert rock sound in a lot of their stuff. Yeah, that's kind um, of it's what just, I was thinking. It's being played faster, isn't it? Mm. So it's yeah, maybe... it's just like you just hear some of the notes and it's the way um, there's like a, a dirginess sometimes to it as well. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. This like it's it just reminded me a bit slightly, um, in a cool way, in a good way. So then, as you said, twelve bar bruise was next. Um, mm. So that followed the next year in twenty twelve in September, almost a full year took uh, elapsed, which is Lazy inconceivable bastards. these days. <laughs> um, so for me, this kind of took that Willoughby's Beach sound. Uh, you know, the psyche surf rock. And really just kind of expanded that full length. And it to me, this is their like definitive kind of like early statement and really their core sound. Yeah. What would you say? I mean, this is what I've been kind of thinking about the last week as they explore various experimentations and sounds. Like, what is the core sound of King Gizzard? Um, yeah, I mean, you've just gone some way to explaining it in a more technical way. Is there anything mm. else in this album specifically that you think that's, yeah, that's what they're all about or that's their kind of like benchmark? Um, not really. I guess some of the, like, especially with this early stuff, I don't know, like the harmonica kind of, I felt like, oh, this is kind of a bit defining their sound slightly, but then they kind of like pick it up and drop it at points throughout. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think, uh, I don't know, like even things like they've got, their drums are quite splashy, let's say. Um, but again, that kind of stops halfway through and then they kind of do it maybe a bit more towards the end. I can't quite remember now, but, um, I don't know. Like I never listened to it and thought it's a definitive sound. His vocals are quite, uh, distinctive, I think, um, which kind of gives it that sound, but yeah, it's very... I think no matter what they're doing, there's still an element of that psychedelicness to it. And I do think that's because they use, and as I said before, like a lot of, a lot of flange. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the word. Um, what do you think he's doing with his vocals? I've, I've, heard him, I've heard him say that he puts them through like blown out guitar amps, but I don't yeah. know if he's like, if that's written, you know, an offhand comment. Yeah, it's definitely distorted. There's definitely a distortion there. Um, but, and well, not all the time, obviously, because I not to spoilers, but like the country stuff and whatever. But yeah, with stuff like this, everything's just kind of like distorted. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like with this one in particular, for me, it it was a bit more like melodic and maybe a bit more mm. fun than um, the Willoughby's EP. I was going to say that to me, it feels a lot more like Happy Go Lucky. Yeah, you know they've got songs like Footy Footy, Uh Oh I Called Mum, 
Um, and there are points in this album where I kind of go, oh, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. It feels a bit like some of those um, like garage revival bands from the noughties. Yeah. You know, like the heart uh, the hives and uh I'm sure you can name some more. Yeah. Do you know what well, I mean? I, yeah. I liked I liked all that. So that's what I mean. It's but that's what I mean. It's like I liked it at the time. So I liked this, it at the time. But yeah. but now when I hear this sometimes I'm like, oh it's a bit too it's all a bit too peppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was like um I don't know, like some of the stuff as well. I've just written down like that uh, just going through the notes. Um because I've put like some of it sounds like David Lynch's solo stuff. If anyone's <laughs> ever gone out of their way to listen to that, which is I quite like it, but it's oh, um, I love it. Sam Cherry is it clown Sam time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's Sam Cherry's last shot. Is that a track? I've written it down. Yes, it yeah. Um, I've put it sounds like David Lynch. Um, nine. I liked that. I thought that was good. Um, High hopes low. Apparently, I liked. Um, Bloody Ripper, I apparently really didn't like. Um, I've put here that it was a bit poppy and it sounded very dated. Um, I agree with you on that one. That was one of the two sort of digital singles that were released along with Elbow. Yeah, uh oh, I Called Mum, I've put kind of feels a bit like a party track. Um, I can imagine it's quite cool live, it's a bit bluesy. Um, And then I've put Sea of Trees, interesting, good guitar work, simple, I like that. and yeah, I've put like it's something like I feel um, like personally, not to obviously big myself up too much, like I'd maybe write in a jam or something like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, footy footy, that was a weird one. A bit <laughs> of, you know, gabba gabba, bit oi oi. Yeah, um, yeah, good call. Uh, which is a bit fun again. It's a bit different, but yeah, as you said, it's a bit fit. This album felt a bit more like, yeah, fun, a bit more playful. Uh, my favourite's Muckraker. Um, mm. It's got a nice music video as that, with them all kind of like mucking around in the Craig mate, um, sitting <laughs> under the water, like the drums in the water, and they're all having a wild, crazy time, and the dog's running around. Yeah, it's nice. You think, I'd like to be part of that band. <laughs> <laughs> this looks fun. This looks nice. Um, yeah, I um, also like the name of the album. It's like 12 Bar Brews. It's, uh, it's just a cool title. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. And on the cover, you've got the actual, well, possibly a version of a lizard wizard. Uh, yeah. More of a lizard warrior, maybe. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I just like how, like, fucking weird they, it is. Great. Um, one of the tracks here, Sam Cherry's Last Shot, is mm. a bit of a anomaly. It sticks out like a sore thumb. Kind of like a spaghetti western style. Mm. Um, like Ennio Morricone. Yeah. Um, and it's narrated by a chap called Broderick Smith, who was a member of an Australian uh, 70s country rock band called the Dingoes. And basically, they must have liked that song quite a lot because they then decided already, album number two, let's go off on a massive tangent mm. and let's do a whole album of this. Um, so their next release in February of 2013 was eyes like the sky um yeah. so a whole album of like spoken words country and western uh what did you think yeah this was i liked immediately really liked this um so i don't know if you remember but like i wanted to do a thing called like 
um, They Rode West, uh, which yes. I was going to make a like Western cowboy stuff and I had a whole bunch of songs, which I'm still going to record at some point, like properly. But um, it was all very much kind of of this ilk, like not spoken word, but um, that, that kind of like cowboy spaghetti Western kind of sounds. And um, yeah, so when I first, and that first track, I haven't written down the, the names, but I was like, um, uh, like the first proper track, I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool. This is wicked. And um yeah, and then the spoken word thing, I was like, okay, cool. And then after by the end of the album, I was like, stop. <laughs> like, okay, I get it. And I wrote like, the spoken word and the stories and all this stuff. I was like, I don't need to like call for a track, maybe a couple of tracks, but I was like, it felt and I know it's there's an, an element of like having a concept album basically, and it's you know I but I was like I just kind of got a bit sick of it at the end, but I did love all the cool riffs and the production and um, yeah, all this stuff about it. It, it very much. Um, it's one of those albums, which I think if I wanted to listen to, like if I wanted to play like Red Dead Redemption or something like that, or uh-huh. you know, whatever, I would stick this on and uh, think, fuck, that's really cool. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was weird. It's such a weird, I really wasn't expecting it off the back of the last album. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> um, in a good uh, way though. It's funny it's you mentioned Red Dead uh, Redemption because, um, Stu McKenzie mentioned that as something that he really enjoys. That's where it's coming from that, that, and probably, you know, good, the bad and the ugly, all of those kind of things. We just thought to hell with it. Let's do it. Why not? Yeah. I thought you'd like that one. Yeah, I did. I really liked it. Um, but yeah, it was just it just got a bit much with the talking by the end of it. Yeah, it's, it's something like it's cool they did it, and we've got it. But it's not one I you know choose to listen to uh, much. Yeah. Kind of like one and done, and hasn't got a lot of replay value necessarily. Um, mm. But glad they got it out of their system, although they didn't entirely, because as you've uh, <laughs> alluded to, we do get more spoken word um, albums later on mm. that's, that's kind of like early i think early giz um and with their next album <laughs> i think they took things into a new kind of realm and up to a new level yes and um, so we'll come to that after this So that was a little bit of head-on slash pill um, from the album Float Along, Bill Your Lungs. So this came along later in 2013, in September. And already to me, this feels like a much more serious album than anything they'd produced before. Mm-hmm. Um, really leaning into the psychedelic aspect of their sound and some very long, drawn-out uh jams very trippy obvious kind of like raga indian influence um not just in the length and kind of like drone of these songs but in the instrumentation um you know head on pill is the obvious example of that at sort of 16 minutes long um and that's the first real big kind of like key fan favorite i think so we had to kind of like uh make sure we spoke about that 
Yeah. Um, to me, this album, it's their most kind of like late 60s sounding album. It's like really, really like hippy trippy, jammy stuff. Uh, what did you think of it, Sam? Yeah, it was, um, uh, it was interesting. I, I've put that it, yeah, it's very psychedelic. Um, it reminded me slightly and, and an album that we've discussed, like the latest MGMT album. And oh, yeah. back of that, um, there's an element where it sounds like a little bit when Ariel Pink goes a bit psychedelic sometimes. Yeah, um, definitely. I got hints of that as I was listening to it. Um, yeah, so I, I the Head on Peel song, yeah, it's 16 minutes. I mean, Jesus. But um, yeah, I quite enjoyed I quite enjoyed that. And also I enjoyed the next track, like I'm Not a Man Unless I Have a Woman, I quite liked. Um, but yeah, the rest of it was kind of like, meh, for me. I didn't... Um, it doesn't really do anything for me, that kind of stuff. Um, like as well with like Ariel Pink's kind of psychedelic stuff. I'm like, well, you know how, how you know I feel and you do as well the same way. But yeah. In terms of like, he's always got like a real like hook or a melody, like a real earworm basically. Um, and with these ones, I never really felt the same way. I was like, do you know what I mean? Like I was like, Ariel Pink yeah. does kind of do this and I feel he does it better. Um, song uh, Like songwriting wise, but um, yeah, and I guess that's like, this kind of thing with like all the albums a little bit is that um, sometimes for me, it sounds like I'm listening to a band jam yeah. rather than these are constructed, formed songs. And I think by the end of the whole thing, the thing I like, actually it's not true that I like the most is the songs that I felt were more considered. That's actually a lie, which I'll come to <laughs> later. But um, yeah, just I think this album is like the kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, it's all right, you know, but it felt like, and maybe this is what they do do, where it's like, let's jam and we do stuff. And then, okay, we've kind of got a song here. We've got another song. Let's record it. We've got an album. Right, next. Moving on. Let's do something else. Um, yeah. Which I'm oversimplifying it. But um, yeah. I do get it's, that impression sometimes. I think it must it'd be really interesting to see like how they do. I think, I mean, Stu McKenzie is listed as a songwriter on almost everything. Or like 90%. So I assume he comes in with the song. And then they flesh it out as a band and probably do jam it out. Um, mm. Certainly this this album is, I'd say, the most <laughs> jammy. Um, but I think that's by design. Like you said, there's not that many necessarily like melodic hooks, but I think it is more faithful to that type of music that they're emulating here. Like when they do kind of wear a hat of a genre, I think they do it quite quite well i think they do it quite authentically it's not just necessarily like the sounds they really are i think interpreting and understanding what's good about those genres they're obviously big fans of the music that they're emulating yeah it's not just superficial um so i can imagine them having like a load of actual indian raga albums and um they thought let's let's give that a go um that, yeah. but I mean, again, like, it's easy to kind of point at their albums and go, oh, that's the psychedelic trippy one. That's the jazz fusion one. But within all of those, you know, there are then um, oddities or a bit more depth. So like in this one, I really like Let Me Mend the Past. Mm -hmm. um, it took a few lessons for that to kind of um, reveal itself to me. Right. But that, for example, that's just a really, really nice soul song. Sounds like something it. from the seventies. 
Um, and surprisingly, I think it popped up on Chunky Shrapnel, which I wasn't expecting. Of all the albums, this is more towards the bottom of the list, to be pretty honest. Yeah, it's not their best, and it's definitely not their most accessible. Um, but I do think it's, yeah, like an important point along the road of their development. Um, should we move on to the next one? Mm. This odd so, Yeah, so that followed, what's this, another six months later. Right. Um, in March of twenty. Right. <laughs> uh, March of twenty fourteen, oddments. What did you think of it, Sam? Uh, hmm. So I've put here like it's a bit more. I didn't really think that much of it, basically. Put it that way, it's a bit more of a forgettable album. Um, I've put that I enjoyed like the chillness of it, um, yeah. and there's a lot of like swishy swashiness uh, to it. Um, and again, I was listening to it thinking, yeah, it's, it's got that lo-fi thing. Um, again, quite aerial pinky at some points, but again, it's like aerial pink, does it better. Um, <laughs> and they don't have like the same kind of melodies, but it was, I thought they were quite nice 70s, yeah, lo-fi sounding um, like soundscapes. Um, and yeah, work this time uh, I've put here is, I loved it apparently. Um yeah, what that's worth. Um, but that is yeah. the most played King Gizzard song on Spotify. No way, really. I was I was shocked. I didn't know it was so popular. Uh, yeah, maybe it was in an advert or something. Um, <laughs> to me, it yeah. sounds a little bit Mac DeMarco. It's quite different to anything else they've done. It's it's quite shimmery and beautiful, and kind mm. of like a bit sad and laid back. Yeah, um, yeah. it's a good one that. Yeah, I did. Uh, I liked the album. I thought it was all right, but um, it's just forgettable. I just wouldn't ever pick it up again. I don't think really as an album anyway. Um, I liked the lo-fi chillness of it, but I think there's just better stuff that does the same kind of thing out there that I'd probably pick up before this, to be brutally honest. I think this doesn't have uh, <laughs> have a whole lot of love, this album. Um, I think a lot of people feel the same way about it that you do. Um, this was a clearing out of the decks kind of album. So, you know, you've picked up on that lo-fi aspect. Some of these songs are still at demo stage, and I think they just decided to, just, we want to get this out. Um, so they have a, a clear clear canvas for the next album. Um, yeah, I mean, so that obviously then make, that makes it a bit kind of like patchy and doesn't maybe hang together all that well, but... I really like it as just a collection of very different, varied songs. I Again, the more you listen to it, some of the subtleties of those songs, there are some nice little kind of like melodies and earworms in there. Um, yeah, like you said, work this time. Um, I really like Hot Wax, which I think there was a video for. Mm-hmm. It's got a nice little Beach Boys reference in it as well. Okay. They, um, they actually steal a line from Surfing Safari. Um and it's got a couple, two songs each by Joey Walker and Cook Craig. So all the band are contributing here. Um, Vegemite was released as a digital <laughs> single and has a video. Um, right. I'd say it could possibly be my least favourite King Gizzard song. Right, okay, I can't uh, remember it. It's just really silly. It's kind of fun, but I'm just like, uh. right. Um So yeah, a bit of a... Well, that's why it's called Oddments, right? It's just odds and sods, yeah, oddities on. along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, obviously that allowed them time and a clear run 
on what is many people's favourite album, mm. uh, which came later in the year, October, I'm In Your Mind Fuzz. Mm. Um, for me, well, this is, is one this of their your, most... I was going to say, is this your favourite, would you say? Oh, no, you've already told me what your favourite is. Is this one of your favourites then? <laughs> I'm not sure, yeah. I'm not sure what my favourite is. It kind of uh, shifts around day to day. It depends what I'm listening to. This is one of my favourites. I think this was, even though I became sort of aware of them around the time of Nonagon Infinity, um, I think the first thing I heard was the track Satan Speeds Up. Right. Um, and I loved it so much that I then listened to I'm In Your Mind Fuzz. So that was the first album I heard. And that kind of, yeah, that got me into it. And then I watched the Cellophane video and I was just like, oh, this is so fantastic. I love it. Um this to me is like their most OCs album. It's quite straightforward, you know, in its sound. So, and it's very accessible. So, I think it's really easy. It's a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Pretty much like Side One is like straight up psychedelic rock with that kind of suite of like the mind fuzz suite that all runs into each other. Um, on the second side, you know, you get some more slower stuff, kind of like nice and hazy, like Her and I, which is kind of a ballad. and like I said, Satan speeds up. It's slow and, and weird, and it's got. It sounds like something from like a Turkish VHS from the mid nineties. Um, but all in all, you know, it's kind. Of, it's like a high octane album, I think, um, and really easy to get into. Yeah. What did you think? Yeah, I I liked it. Yeah, it's one of my. Um, I would say one of the, the better ones. Um, and I think it did. What it was, as you've kind of pointed out, it did what it was doing before, but um, like better basically. Um, like the first track was great as well. I think weirdly, like we not to, it makes it sound like I've been lazy. Basically, like I pay attention to like the beginning of the track and then whatever I'm done by the end. But like <laughs> the first, I feel like the first tracks on most of their albums, I'm like, that's fucking great. Like I really, they're really good at op- opening tracks. Um, and it's the same thing with this, actually. I quite like time in your mind. Um, Am I in Heaven was a highlight for me as well. Um, Her and I, I thought it was like a nice sleepy, kind of like druggy, drugged out yeah. music. Um, some of it reminded me, um, I don't even know if you know this band, but uh, if you have never spoken about it, Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Um, no. And yeah, it's a little bit like that. So it's... um. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit like psychedelic still and all this stuff, but it's got quite nice guitar work and like harmonies and sounds generally. Um, mm. Not too closely at all, um, but it just reminded me of it, if you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, I, I liked it. It was one of, it was one of my more favourite ones of the ones that um, I listened to. And uh, yeah, I really felt like, okay, yeah, you know, this is, this is something I'd listen to. I, I'm enjoying this. What was the name um, of that band again? Unknown Mortal Orchestra. I saw them randomly, going to an anecdote here. Um, I saw them live at, uh, so there was a, I don't know if I've, I've told you any of this, but um, basically I recorded um, a whole bunch of uh, basically live music shows, um, which is um, for the uh, magazine called the fly which owned like the bar fly and all this oh, yeah. stuff i remember that yeah and it's called like the fly i think we called it the fly sessions or whatever and it was just me and a couple of camera guys um and yeah we filmed like 
for films of people I'd never even fucking heard of before. The best slash worst one, um, it was uh, Tim Thingy from Ash and his girlfriend at the time, and they had released oh, Tim Wheeler. Tim Wheeler, that's it. And they'd released a Christmas album, right? I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> and um, him and his missus, I don't think they, I don't, I think they split up not long after. But um, so they did an acoustic set, and uh, uh, yeah, we had some like good people. It was like real estate and all that. They were pretty good. But yeah, when Tim Wheeler got up and they were doing this Christmas album, they were just singing completely out of tune. <laughs> So it was really like cringy, and like when we put it edited together, it's like, well, we have to put it up. Like, <laughs> what can I, what can we do? It's like you know, you know, shame basically. Um, That's what happened to Puddle of Mud, right? Oh my god, let's not get started. Let's not get started <laughs> on that. Um, I do. Oh god, don't. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, Puddle. For those who don't know, Puddle of Mud did about a girl by Nirvana, and his. To be fair, it sounds as if like um, he, like he's fucked his voice basically before he got in. There's no way he, he must have done it before and thought this is okay. There's no way he went in there thinking we're going to do this song and I've never practiced it before because the rest of the band are looking at him like this is like weird. And I was thinking, you know, like sometimes when I blow my voice out, like uh, rehearsal or whatever, like when we do band shit, and then um, I can't, I just can't reach the notes because my voice is just completely blown out. And it can happen like in the middle of a gig as well, um, personally, for me. So I was thinking, he's, it sounds like he's done that. Basically, he can't get the air behind him to like reach that note, but he's still really trying, which makes it even worse. <laughs> so, um, he just can't sing. He just can't do it. Uh, but yeah, but um, anyway, there's this guy called JJ who used to run the fly thing and basically off the back of me doing these things. Oh, this is such a long story. I'm so sorry. But we went to all these gigs, basically. <laughs> And he would take me to see bands and one of them was Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Um, and yeah, we got to like meet them, whatever, and all this stuff is all bullshit. But um, yeah, it really stayed with me. And they did all right after that as well. But they, they've released, I think they're still releasing music. It's just three of them, but it's all like a bit, um, yeah, like psychedelic, uh, psychedelic sounds. It was probably before all this as well. Um, it's quite a fair while ago. Um, yeah, and it's, yeah. It's, you might you might like it. I don't know. Like you know, if you like the kind of psychedelic King Gizzard stuff, it's worth checking them out. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Cool. Wow, look them up. I did run into it. Get to that point. <laughs> um, no, that's cool. Yeah. Um, let's let's listen to some music, and then when we come back, we'll move on to 2015. So that was a bit of The River, which is uh, one of my favourite songs in their catalogue from the album Quarters, which was released in May of 2015. Four songs, each one forming a quarter of the whole album at exactly 10 minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, So they really set themselves some parameters and a challenge here on this one. Um, I mean, the song itself, The River, uh, accompanied by a fantastic video which i absolutely love animated um i just think you know the the stylistic changes it goes through the vibe the groove 
it's absolutely beautiful and it's the highlight of this although the rest of it you know this proggy kind of jazz fusion really really did them well and suddenly there's a whole other facet to the band uh sam did you enjoy quarters um i did uh to be honest i haven't written that much about it (laughs) (laughs) out of all all the albums i listened to um like i saw i put here you might find this quite funny my notes, as I look back on my notes, it's clear that, that I'm doing like work and other stuff at the same time, but still trying to make an effort to like write something down. I've put the river, fine, bit wanky, festival type music, small stage at Glasto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and I, I've put in brackets as well. <laughs> in brackets, all tracks, 10 10. It's in there all 10 minutes, 10 seconds long. It's something that I put, <laughs> something that I observed. And then I've just um, put underneath Lonely Still, which I'm guessing means that I liked it. <laughs> like that song. <laughs> Would you like to hear what Everett True had to say about the album? Uh, he only speaks the, the true. <laughs> yeah. A man we respect for his uh, coverage of Nirvana back in the day. Mm, very much so. Um, he said, King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard unravel mysteries, perform magic, tease melodies out of intricately formed music patterns, and do it all with a face that would be straight, except it's taken too many mind-altering substances. Um, Stu McKenzie said about this that he wanted to make a record where I didn't have to yell, uh, as well as exploring some longer, repetitive song structures. Each one an extended jam, teeming with melodies, the occasional trickle of water, Space funk, laughter like Pink Floyd, and deliciously unfussy grooves. I didn't want to use any brutal guitar pedals or sing through blown out guitar amps as I usually would. Boring. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, I think it's smashing, but then I've been getting into a bit more uh, jazz and especially fusion stuff yeah. over the last few years. So, uh, fucking hell. I mean, oh, right. okay, me. cool. an absolute delight. <laughs> And they right. followed off these sunny, laid-back good vibes uh, later in the year in November. Sort of now, in, it's still in the same kind of mood with Paper Mache Dream Balloon. Um, although this is more of a kind of like uh, psychedelic folk of the late 60s. I think mm-hmm. it summons up that kind of era. Um, it's completely acoustic. So there's lots of really nice instrumentation on this. More flute than you can shake a silver stick at. Um, <laughs> but despite that kind of like sunny sheen that the material's got, it has got a weird and dark edge. Um, and that's inherent at it. I mean, even just a cursory look at the song titles Bone, Cold Cadaver, Bitter Boogie. Um, and within it, like, there's some quite violent lyrics. Um, it's a really, yeah, it's an interesting album that I think reveals some hidden depths over time. Sam, did you enjoy it? Um, I am in two minds about it. Like, I liked, I like the fact they did something completely different. I like that generally about the band. Um, I like that this was more chilled, uh, and the fact obviously it's more acoustic, as you said. Um, it's got quite a smooth vibe, and it had kind of a kings of convenience sound sometimes. But again, I'm just like. I I like it, but I've heard it done better elsewhere, which is a really shitty thing to say, I realise. But um, 
as I can't yeah. it, basically. Well, it's like I'm listening to it going, oh yeah, this is like this. I'd rather just listen to the other thing. Like yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing in this which is like particularly hooking me in. Um, but I enjoyed the fact it was a bit more country. Um, I liked was it NGRI? Is yes. that right? Peppy um, one. Mm. Uh, I've put that. I've liked that one. Um, and yeah, I like to be honest. Like I'm not against it. I I think it's. Um, for me, it just needs a bit more listening to from my part um, before I can make a proper judgment on it. Cause I do generally like that stuff. Um, but I just feel like there was, there's not a track really properly on there um, that I would go back and go out of my way to like, I don't know. I don't really know. I think, uh, I think you should give another chance. Cause I think you would like this one. Um, but I mean, for me, almost all of the albums, it takes me a while uh, a few lessons before some of the melodies and hooks come out. Um, but, I mean, even the first song, Sam, you've neglected to mention, which you said is always the strongest. Yeah, Sense. And is I think right? it's the best song on the album. Yeah, I did, I've put here, Sense. Is what I put number one, <laughs> Sense. But I was thinking maybe I'll just put that because I was going to go through them properly or something. <laughs> but um, no, I've, I've put that because obviously I, I've quite liked it. So um, yeah, again, they've they've kind of kept that, you know, kept your strong, strong card out first or whatever. <laughs> lead with the, lead with a strong, hard erection and then whatever happens afterwards, you know, Blimey. doesn't really matter. Uh, and then follow up with Bone. Um, I think the fact that you say you enjoy Sense, do you find then... Maybe your interest wanes as you get presented with the same sound over and over again. Can you imagine an album that is just like where they actually jump from genre to genre? That would mm. appeal to you. Uh, no. <laughs> it's not about having the same sound. It's more like, um, it's, I don't know, like it's kind of experimenting for the sake of experimenting sometimes. I don't know, like, yeah. all right, cool, you want to do it. Did you want to do it, or you're, or you're like I've written this? I don't know. Like for me, it's it sounds really wanky to say, but I'm always more about what's the what's the melody? What's what what's catchy? What do I like? I'm not always about that, but sometimes when it's like if you're writing an acoustic album, you know, it's got it's that's pure songwriting basically, and it's like I don't know. It feels has to be a bit more meat on the bones sometimes with some of this. So it's not to say I didn't like it especially aesthetically um, or anything like that. And I like the idea of it. Um, but again, I, I mean, yeah, maybe I'm not giving it, I'm going to get lambasted for this, aren't I? <laughs> not by me. <laughs> um, I just, I think the songs are there on this album. Um, I think it's cool. I like the approach and the aesthetic. But I think they could have made these songs work any which way. It would be quite cool. I mean, God, that's something they've never done. That was a concept for an album. They could pick one of these and like do it in another style. Like if they did this in their like normal sort of like garagey psychedelic style, it'd be fascinating to hear some of these. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was. It, it was I like the fact that they took a you know another left turn. It's cool. So they must have got something out of their system at this point, because another six months on, twenty sixteen April. They drop Nonagon Infinity. Um, very different album. Uh, they kind of come roaring back with a psychedelic barn burner. And it's very, very high concept, this album. 
And this really is like where the Gizverse starts to come together um, with all of its allusions to all this kind of like cryptic and mystical stuff, people journeying, people becoming robots. Um, it's kind of similar, I think, in sound to uh, Mindfuzz, Mini Mindfuzz, but it's way more proggy, you know, um, in the concept and in, and in its presentation and with like a heavier rock sound overall. Um, so I think this won them a lot of fans. Any sort of like deviation into a more standard rock sound is bound to get you more fans, I think. Mm. Um, obviously here, there's a bit of a gimmick in the, the nine songs. Across all the songs, they share a lot of similarities. Um, some reviewers kind of say, you know, it's basically just like one very long song, um, but it's designed to play in an infinite loop. So the end of the last song, can nicely lead back into the start of the first. I've never actually programmed it and listened to it in that way because I've always only listened to it on vinyl. So the kind of the concept is a little bit kind of like moot. It's destroyed. Um, but, you know, I think the songs speak for themselves, really. Um, I imagine, Sam, this might have been one that you enjoyed. Yeah, I did the I did it manually because after you told me, um, so this is my, uh, spoiler, this is my favorite album by far, actually, that they've done. When I'm thinking, I'm definitely one of those people that you said, you know, <laughs> would be the ones who really loved it. Um, and yeah, so like when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, I love this. And I just kept listening to it and it did feel like it was one long song. And I think part of it is because the beat, it's the same for the most part anyway. And also they come back to the same kind of riffs. And I think it's all in like the same key yeah. as well, probably. So it does, it does sound very similar, but there's enough variety within it that um, it makes it quite different. But I just love the way it just feels like it's kind of a bit more balls out, um, balls out rock stuff. It's still got the psychedelic stuff, but it's got a lot more yeah. like a rockier, vibe it's kind of like it's picked it up and thrown it against the wall or something like that and like then kicked it kicked the wall down and now it's come out with like like walk this way style like <laughs> run dmc <laughs> whatever the head's poking through um uh-huh. that's yeah that's what it feels like i guess like i've put it here um it reminds me and I, I, i've put it here but generally speaking um i think it, for a lot of these albums do remind me a bit of white denim um mm, i don't know if yeah. you know white denim that well um, yeah and also I remember them at the time they were yeah quite hotly they, tipped for a while weren't they yeah they still do stuff so there was like they had a really the first album was all right but um they i've seen them live a few times and they do this in the sense of and their albums do this now as well where it's all like together it's all one thing so when you see them live yeah. they, they don't stop they literally play for like whatever like an hour non-stop um and it's quite interesting and uh they yeah and this is kind of the album reminded me of that as well because it kind of every song kind of leads to like another it's like it's frenetic almost and um yeah i just enjoyed the sound a lot as well there's lots of delay in there which i thought was quite cool um yeah uh, robot stop is the first track is that right um, oh yeah yeah sorry which is yeah really great like straight out the gate especially after that acoustic album Whatever. If you think like I was a bit like eh, about the acoustic thing, and then this came, this came on, and I was like, right, here we go. Like I'm here. <laughs> no, this is great. Um, I'm not a fan of the harmonica. 
have to say. Like sometimes mm. I'm like, okay, generally speaking, I'm like, can you just fuck off with the harmonica? <laughs> Whoever's playing the fucking harmonica, can I just get the fuck out of the room? It's like walking in going, hey guys, uh, I think this would be a great time to get my harmonica out and start playing like, fuck off. <laughs> I want your fucking harmonica. Yeah. Uh, like, no, because, you know, this is what I've, it's one of the instruments I played. I've, I've played it since I was 10. No one wants it. He <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, let, let him. He's brought it with him. He's brought it with him. He's had it in his pocket. <laughs> I had to bring the guitar and the amps. He's brought a fucking harmonica. And now we have to let him do everything. <laughs> you know, so, um, I'm imagining the kid from Deliverance as well now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, do we have but, to let him in the band? Yeah, sorry, <laughs> he's going to butcher you all. <laughs> yeah, he, he will kill you. Yeah, um, dueling harmonicas. Um, uh, Gamma Knife was great as well. Gamma um, Knife. Yeah, that was really good. Evil Death Roll, great. Um, and this is, uh, I've had this on rotation more and my kids love it. My kids love the entire oh, album. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. So Edie's, um, Edie's specifically, because Gamma Knife is like the third track or something, isn't it? So it's like, yeah. um, relatively short and she's, she, she, doesn't know that he's saying gamma i'm he doesn't know she starting she doesn't know that he's saying gamma knife so she's just like going no 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 or whatever um <laughs> which is quite cute um but yeah she loves it so like the other day i was um i was upstairs faffing around or whatever and i come down and they're dancing to this uh to this album just in the they dance all the time anyway to like whatever fucking music i put on but um yeah just to like this album um so yeah it's like <laughs> it's been around in my house a lot um and yeah, it's been really good. Um, but yeah, I, I like the way that it's, there's an, an element of like mysticism um, about it. Uh, and I just really like the playing. I like the pedals they use, I like you know, kind of, again, like flangey stuff. But again, as I was saying, lots of delay and all this stuff. And they've, um, it feels like a lot, it feels really tight as well, um, mm. which I enjoy. Quite trebly. Um, and also there's a lot of like guitar harmonies as well. Um and as I was saying about the scales and things like that, but they kind of mix it up a little bit. So sometimes when your brain is thinking it's going to go one way, it does something else, which I always find um, scratches an itch that I have sometimes with songs where I'm like, oh, yeah. they did this. And then my brain goes, "That's that didn't go the way I thought it would be. It was going to go, but, which makes me want to listen to it again. And, um, and all that. And it gets like, that's when it gets like hooked into my brain. Um, so yeah, generally speaking, sorry, I've gone on for ages about it, but yeah, this is my favourite King Gizzard album. I really loved it. Fantastic. Um, did you watch any of the videos at all? Only the one you one. sent, only the only Gamma Knife. That's the only one I saw, uh, which was cool as well. Like it reminds me of that Tim and Eric's <laughs> Tim and Eric sketch. Um, I got I got little jumps for you. Itty itty bitty jump for you. <laughs> Have you seen that one? No. So it's basically, it's the sketch starts off with this teacher, a British teacher. And, and you know, it's like obviously Tim and Eric fucking weird. And she's got like a whole class of their usual like middle-aged weirdos that they bring in. And she's going, this is a, a an erection, a semi or whatever. And this is a, this is what's called a little chub or something like that. Um, and then she's like, and she wheels out this TV to play like this old video. And it's the Tim and Eric music video for this. And it's them like in a desert, but it's that like grainy 70s style stuff with these like weird close-ups and them just like in a bush or whatever. I got jobs for you. <laughs> bitty, bitty jobs for you. Um, yeah, you have to watch. It's only like two minutes or something. Uh, yeah, check it out. It's really funny. But it remind, it's that kind of same um, style, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, 
um yeah like cheesy 70s like weird pop rock or whatever it's good it it borrows heavily from i can't remember the name of the film now but from some obscure yeah 1970s film about there's a group of people and they have to go and do some kind of sacrifice on a mountain Mm. and it's got all those kind of cuts and like it's all creaky um I think there were three videos maybe uh, for this um, album and they're all kind of interlinked. So again, this is like not going into the Gizverse stuff too deeply, but you know, there's a lot of interesting visuals in those videos and it all ties into the packaging. Um, like on, on the album I've got, you know, some really cool photos of the band in like all these gowns and they've got all this kind of like symbolic face paint on and there's all this, uh, there's all this stuff, you know, about the number nine, so yeah, lots to enjoy in Nonagon Infinity. Mm. Um, and really, I mean, that left them at a point, I think, uh, a commercial uh, and critical peak. I mean, loads of people loved that album. It won them an award, an Australian, oh, I can't remember what it's called, the ARIA. I can't remember what that stands for. Australian Record Industry Awards, maybe. Okay. Um, they got like best heavy rock and metal album, which I think was quite controversial. I don't know what they were up against, but I suppose a lot of people don't consider them to be a, a metal band. Um, but this was just heavy enough, I suppose, to tip the balance. Yeah. Um, but coming off of that, the rest of 2016, I guess they were touring. Um, but 2017 was about to get real. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. the end of 2016 in november they released the track rattlesnake um 
this seems to be so popular. Uh, when I went and saw them live, like when they started playing this, the place went berserk. And I actually remember this actually got quite a lot of mainstream play and coverage in the UK. I remember people that I know that have no interest in music going, oh yeah, Rattlesnake, I've heard that one. It's good, I like that. Um, That's interesting because I've never heard it before. <laughs> I've heard it talked about. <laughs> it must have got play on like Radio 6 and stuff like that. It's a great song. Another great, great, straight out of the gate again, another great opener. What, did you um, not think, I, 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 to me it's a little bit um, repetitive, but I suppose it's just got a really good riff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um, yeah, I've put here that it's uh, like a similar sound from like the last album a little bit, like it's, I don't know, like it, is it a similar sound? Maybe. Um, to me, it's a bit more, it's not as heavy and it's a lot more repetitive. Um, it kind of builds up a bit more of a sort of like mantra almost. Mm. Um, so what I think, you know, this kind of signposted, obviously, uh, the, the album um, Flying Microtonal Banana, which was released in February of 2017. Um, and the whole album really, following on from Rattlesnake, it's got that sort of almost like a desert rock sound. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this obvious Middle Eastern flavour that comes from the fact that the kind of gimmick for this album is the explorations into microtonal tuning. Um, so the flying microtonal banana is actually the um, bespoke guitar that Stu McKenzie had made. Um, if you watch any videos from around this time, he's got this like bright yellow guitar. Right. Um so that's kind of what gives it all that kind of like exotic flavour. And I really, really like that. But aside from that, they do seem to have used that to explore. Is this kind of like almost like a quite kraut rocky kind of album because of all this like repetition in the songs and it's quite droney. Um, and I find it really, I kind of find it quite relaxing, this album. Mm -hmm. um, but it's very hooky and I just, I just love the sound. And I think this might be my favourite of their albums. Yeah, I can see. I can see why. I mean, I've put here that, um, I like the fact that the well, the songs are kind of getting a bit longer now, um, and I've put here. I kind of remembering as I'm as I'm reading it that the drums and bass, like it has a very it's constantly driving the album forward, um, and it feels like it like ne never lets up basically. And the guitar and the vocals and all the other sounds, or whatever, just riff on top of this like very consistent driving drum and bass sound. Um, yeah. And yeah, and if you, I mean, literally, if you like isolate the bass, I imagine that it would sound like it's just constantly going, like it literally like never stops, um, which I thought was quite cool. Sleep Drifter, I've put that I really liked. That was a favourite. Yeah, that's great. Um, and that's the one that I said sounds a bit like Honey to me. Okay, yeah. The new song. Right. Yeah, I've put that like that. Melting as well. Um, oh, love it is good and i've put here nuclear fusion um i like the way that i think he's what he's used is um uh, like a harmonic pedal basically which means that when you're um when you're playing basically you press the pedal or whatever um kind of like a well it's not a way it's completely different but um in terms of it will just play what you're playing but like in a different octave or um pitch uh, and mm. I feel like he uses that a fair bit, which is quite cool. And especially, yeah, on, on Nuclear Fusion. 
Um, but yeah, I liked this album. Um, I didn't like it as much as, uh, yeah, Nonagon Infinity, I don't think. I think because the, I think Nonagon Infinity just felt like a real, like, slap in the face. And this yeah. feels a bit more like a, an, a, you know, an album, like a more like a proper album or something, whereas I quite like the Nonagon fucking frenzy of it. Um, but yeah, I liked it. It was good. Yeah, and the and the crowd rock aspect as well, like mm. like you said, you know, there's that bass hammering it. It's like they pick up a groove, and it's just this, you know, very repetitive driving tracks um, that become kind of quite hypnotic. With then all this kind of you know exploration with these exotic micro tuned sounds, um, and some quite nice melodies. Like it's quite quite gentle things like melting, melting all that, all of that. I re- it's it's kind of you know, and Sleep Drift, obviously, it is it's kind of uh, hypnotic and meditative, this album. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I like a lot of crowd rock bands, you know, like Can and Tangerine Dream and stuff like that. So um, I think I'm not people don't necessarily pick up on that as much. They just, you know, go for the, you know, it's the one with the microtonal uh, tuning. But there's other stuff going on in this album you know, beyond that kind of um, that uh, sonic aesthetic in terms of the songwriting and arrangement. No, I was going to say, like, I remember um, at, in the Gamma Knife video, yeah, he's got that <clears throat> that 12-string guitar. Is that what you were saying before? Um, yeah, well, at the song Robot Stop, I think, features the microtonal uh, guitar. I think that's the only use of it on the on the actual album recording itself. Right. I, I don't know if he pulls it out in the video at some point, maybe. Right, yeah, because I've never um, played a 12-string uh, guitar. I just wondered... No, I think it's I think it's six strings, but um, they put in extra frets on the board so that you can play notes between uh, the notes in the normal octave. Wow, that's interesting. Well, yeah, it's um, yeah, why not? It's a good good experimental thing to do. Make and hopefully, sounds. hopefully, Honey is a precursor to the next volume of Explorations. Mm. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited about that. Nice. Yeah, it's a good um, good album. It's worth mentioning at this point uh, that around this time, they uh, the band revealed their intentions to release. I think initially they said four albums, and then at some point they revised that and said five um, within the calendar year of 2017. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, obviously, yeah, flying microtonal banana came out in February, and you're just thinking, how the hell are they going to do it? Um, what's the quality of these albums going to be? Mm. Um, I'm thinking, well, they must have a lot of material already in the can to feel that confident. Um, but I don't think they did. They seem to kind of they they did it as they went along, which is really amazing. Um, so anyway, then the next album didn't come out until June. So it's like half the year's gone and they've only just managed to get the second one out. Right. And that was Murder of the Universe. Mm-hmm. Obvious riff on Masters of the Universe. I hoped it was. I didn't want to say yeah, it. They've, <laughs> uh, they've got some Masters of the Universe. Um, there's a really cool t-shirt they've got. I've got, I've got a jumper of it with some of the villains. It's like Skeletor on bass, I think, and oh, brilliant. Merman on guitar. <laughs> I think Hordax in there. Sounds great. Yeah, what's um, the because the artwork for this is weird. I'm, I'm trying to have a look for it now. Yeah, it's like a 
yeah, it's really kind of dark. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's a dark there a album. He-Man reference in there? It's like, uh, no, not that I can see. No, I think it was just, uh, I think it's just playing with you, toying with you, your emotions. Mm-hmm. A little nostalgic kick. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a dark album in sound and uh, theme. I wonder what, I'm going to ask you what you thought of this one first, Sam, because I'm thinking you might have liked this. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, yeah, it felt a bit more uh, rocky. Um, and it reminded me a little bit of uh, Death From Above. And I think the right. reason, reason why really was because uh, there's like a stop-start nature to it. It's a little less flowy. So for the other albums, I feel like there's there's a definite flow between, well, in the songs, but also like between the tracks, obviously, like and all this um but this one i liked the stop start nature of it a bit more yeah um, feels a bit more frenetic um and like it's still slightly mystical which is quite cool and what i generally quite like about their sound i guess throughout it's like there's this weird like yeah like mystical <laughs> element i don't even know really what how it comes across like that if it's a vocal thing um or what but yeah it has this kind of vibe to it doesn't it um i, I think like, it's everything coming together yeah, yeah. The visuals and the sound and the vocals. And... Yeah, just the whole um, yeah, feel of it. Uh, I've put it here, it sounds a bit Icarus line in places. Um, and it kind of, I don't know, like it kind of like, I don't know, like flirts with like noise core maybe. Um, yeah. Uh, not sh- Yeah, the spoken word here again, I've put, I'm not sure about it, um, which is kind of fair enough, but um Altered Beast bits I liked. I thought they were cool. Um, Lord of Lightning is good. Um, I enjoyed that. But yeah, generally I was like, yes, this is good. I I quite liked it. Um, Yeah, what did you think? Um, At the time, I didn't like it that much. Um, I think I like it more now. To me, it's the kind of, it's the Nonagon Infinity sound. Um, Yeah, and, and probably at this point, this might have been their heaviest album they'd done. Mm. Um, but obviously they've gone back and grafted that like narrative concept from Eyes Like the Sky to it and created something quite different. And a lot of fans are turned off by that. And probably I was as well. But I think it's not fair to judge it on something that it isn't. It's like mm. they, they've tried to do something different here. That's what they wanted to do. That was the concept. And they've done it very well. So you get these three separate stories. The Tale of the Altered Beast. Uh, Lord of Lightning versus Balrog. And they're both narrated by uh, Leia Senior. I don't know who she is. Um, mm. And there's a really cool music video because, you know, they're all, like you said, these little short snippets of songs. Mm-hmm. But really it's one long, each one's about like 15 minutes long. So they did two music videos, each 15 minutes for these stories, which are quite cool. Right. And then the third part is uh, Han Tayumi and the Murder of the Universe that I referenced earlier. And this has got loads of stuff. Rich pickings for anyone interested in that uh, King Gizzard folklore, right? Um, but that's kind of what's going on in the cover. Because okay. ba- basically, what happens is, um, and this isn't just speculation. If you actually like listen deeply to the, the lyrics and the narration, what's going on? Um, basically, it's like the last man decides to turn himself into a cyborg, um, and then basically, he, I think, he feels that he's missing out on some things that the human which are like the ability to die and the ability to vomit 
Um, and so he kind of creates this machine, the soy munt machine or whatever, so that he can, he takes in like organic protein so that he can vomit. Um, and he mutates and basically he murders the universe by vomiting all over it. And that's what's going on in the uh, front cover artwork. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. um, I mean, it's okay. That's pretty cool. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't really, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't really pay attention to any of the story. Whatsoever. No, and neither, neither do I when I listen to it. And I think that's what a lot of fans feel like it just kind of gets in the way of the music. Um, it's quite cool. That one's narrated by a, an app uh, produced by Natural Readers, and they use the voice UK Charles. And that voice comes back on other songs. And whenever you hear it, you have to think, okay, that's the voice of this Han Tayumi character. Um, so it then pops up on one song on the next album. So in August, they followed that up with sketches of Brunswick East. Yeah. Um, and this was a collaboration with Mild High Club, uh, yeah. who are an Australian kind of dream pop project of a guy called Alexander Breton. Right. Um and this is just really lovely, gentle, jazzy pop. Did you like it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. It was right. There was, um, like I've put here, and I, I'm remembering this, because obviously the, the later we go in the discography, the more recent it was. So I'm starting to remember more and more, the kind of further in we get. But yeah, I've put Spider and Me, is like lift music. It's like sixties okay. with a little bit of funk to it. Um, yeah, and I've put here weird sixties cinema slash indie slash soundtrack. Um, the book I've put sounds a little bit like Devil's Haircut by Beck, <laughs> a little bit Austin Powers or something. Um, yeah, not against it. I'm just like I'd never listen to this by choice. Basically, um, Rolling Stoned I liked, um, and some of it. I think some of it feels a bit French, which is cool. And I quite liked that aspect to it. Some of it was a little bit Sebastian Tellier almost, but again, not to sound like a dick, I would rather just go listen to a Sebastian Tellier album than come back to this. Um, and I, isn't that, I don't know, like as I'm talking with you about it, it's like, is it a problem when you're like a multi-genre band almost where it's like, you're just not, you're getting compared to people who have, been doing that genre for age, you know what I mean? And it's like yes. a bit of an unfair comparison. And I feel like it's almost like a disservice by saying stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, that's kind of how I feel. Like they've kind of tapped into that genre. Great. But they're not like masters of it, if that makes sense. Um, that's a fair comment. And that is a criticism that is leveled particularly at this album, I think. Um, but yeah, you know, they, they pick that up give it a go and a lot of people it's yeah it's been done better or it's been done before more authentically yeah um, that's, how, that's how i felt about it i was just like why would i why would i if i want to listen to something like this why would i dig out this album basically and I well let me tell you why <laughs> go on and i really like it and i mean i like it a lot more than i did when it came out and again it's one of those albums that's grown on me the more i listen to it more of the the hooks and melodies I hear in there. I, just, I think it's just really good songs. Um, but again, you know, I'm more into 
some of this kind of like 60s uh, jazzy, uh, nice laid back vibe. Um, and I like that you pointed out some of that kind of like what you said, like Austin Powers music. There's some like exotica touches in here. Um, but it, I think it wants to be, you know, the title is a play on Miles Davis, Sketches of Spain. Um, so they obviously like were, were, were pushing for that, but which is, you know, it's not that fully formed is the point. Um, I was reading up and apparently uh, Stu and, and Alex from Mild High Club. Mm. So he co-wrote seven of the, the, uh, the 13 songs. He co-wrote seven of them. So it's a genuine collaboration here. But they apparently sent ideas, uh, sketches, basically, to each other over there. Like, just record something quickly on an iPhone while they're touring. Right. Um, they only, basically, they only conceived of doing this album in February of 2017. So at the time when the mic- Flying Microtonal Banana was coming out. Um, and then this album was already released in August. Right. So just an idea of like how much pressure the band put on themselves to get these um, albums recorded and done. They were only just like conceiving of them loosely at the time when they God, made that Jesus. announcement. So crazy. Um, <laughs> Why rush it? But <laughs> Why put yourself under that amount of pressure? What's the result? You just want to get more out. I Maybe. I, I guess they just thought they could do it. I mean, I said they had these these sketches and ideas and he's called them like jumping off points and then they just came together and did this and fleshed it out and they recorded it in three weeks. Mm. Um, but I I like that. And I, I know you said like earlier, a lot of it's, it's just, you know, jammed out. And, um, but I kind of like a lot of it kind of comes together in the studio. You've got, you know, seven guys all contributing different, textures and sounds and that there's enough looseness there uh, for some kind of improvisation presumably mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um my favorite song here is countdown right which i think is the second song <laughs> okay yeah i don't After, I the first song it. is just like a little bit of a, a, a nice sort of like soft intro and then you, you get the proper first song countdown. um it's got a really cool music video as well yeah i i need to check out the music videos um, because they uh, strike me as because they're quite an inventive, creative band that um, their videos would kind of, and also fantastic. like, yeah, it feels like they do it really well on a shoestring as well. Um, yeah. Well, it's all that guy. It's all J- uh, Jason Galea. Right. Um, it's a nice way to spend an hour is just go on their YouTube channel and just uh, let it play through. Yeah, I will. Um, I will do that. I will check out some of the, some of the highlights. Um, uh, yeah, I, I thought so, this album was, you know, it was okay. It's all right. So we're at August at this point. We've had three albums. We then had to wait until November for album number four, right? Which was Polygon to Wonderland. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> um, this to me is probably their most prog rocky album um, and probably their densest album. There's so much going on in these songs. Um, you know, not just in terms of the music, but in terms of like lyrics. And again, you know, I mentioned like Nonagon Infinity is like a high concept album. This is really high concept. So all the lyrics and themes tying together with the artwork, especially 
Um, you could spend days poring over all the uh, iconography in this thing and trying to figure it out and decipher it. Um, I think there's no obvious kind of like musical gimmick on this one, um, which maybe no. made it a bit more difficult for a lot of people to get into. And like I said, it's very dense. Um, but I think this incorporates basically everything, every sound they've had to date. Um, so to me, it's their most ambitious album. And it could be their best, but I don't feel like I've fully engaged with it properly. I feel like it's one of those albums that it could take years and I just want to keep exploring it and get into all of the aspects of what's going on with it. Um, what did you think about it, Sam? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's a, a gen, Generally, it's a really good mixture of songs and sounds. And yeah, it, it kind of felt like this is the right... I mean, like the right time, whatever, but like it was needed, basically put it that way, like something like this. Like it feels like it's a bit more, it's less like let's do a jam and an album on like this kind of sound. I've got a new pedal. Let's just place it around this. I'm obviously not saying that's what it, that's what it is or anything like that. Or like, I fancy doing this. How about it? This feels like, okay, you know, we're going to, as you said, like not cherry, well, kind of cherry pick like different sounds or whatever and styles from different bits. And also just like, mix it up just mix it up a little bit um it's substantial though isn't it yeah i mean i thought i thought it sounded a bit more like coming off the back of the last album i thought this sounded a bit more um like I, i've put here radio friendly but i don't actually mean radio friendly in terms of like pop songs but a bit more like uh, serious maybe um yeah and, and maybe a bit more like modern um rather than being like of a certain sound or something, it feels like, and I think that's where they do well is when they, instead of trying to emulate something, they carve something else out. Um, and that's what I feel like they do here. And that's kind of where they succeed, uh, mostly. And, um, I I feel the same way. I was like, when this album finished, I was like, I I need to kind of listen to this properly because I feel like there's some really good stuff here that I'm just not, um, like paying enough attention to basically. Yeah. Um, like Crumbling Castle is great. Brilliant song. Um, so cool, isn't it? Love that. So again, great opener. Great opener. Straight away. And really long. Yeah. But it doesn't seem as long as it is. No. And it's got some really cool bits. Like, I think that's why I also liked it. It's because, um, you know, because I do my electronic stuff as well. A lot of the playing with the electronic side of it in a cool way. Um, I really enjoyed. So like when we talked about Wild Beast for Boy King and some other of that stuff, um, it didn't work for me. And I think, you know, something we kind of talked about with this, I feel like it does work. And also because it's quite mm-hmm. minimal and it, when it does come in, it makes more of an impression. So like there's like uh, the song Loyalty, like the introduction for that sounds like something like I would do with my, you know, Legacy thing. Um and yeah, Inner Cell, I thought was nice and cool. And that's a bit more dreamy, a bit more chill. Um, I've put yeah. here Fourth Colour was good. I liked that. Um, and yeah, I feel like this is like more of the like unsung heroes maybe of their um, catalogue. And yeah, as you said, it kind of needs a bit more of a deeper dive to like fully appreciate it maybe. This one, I feel maybe part of the reason as well why maybe it's a little underappreciated is the way it was released which was like so cool that maybe they should have reserved this for the last album. Um, but do you know about this? No. So what they did was they teased it 
as they do with everything. And then they just put everything online. And I don't just mean they didn't, they didn't just put the album online to download for free. They put all the masters. So they put the masters, you know, they mastered it for CD and vinyl with all the artwork files and some extra artwork files. And they basically said, we're revoking um, our uh, copyright in this. And this is for everyone. This is, we're giving it away for free. It's yours. Have you ever thought about starting a record label? Go and do it. Get some copies of this pressed up. And basically, that's exactly what everyone did. No way. Um, so you had indie labels pressing up copies. Um, you had like fans setting up crowdfunders to get editions pressed. Um, so I, I mean, it's unprecedented. And it's just such a cool concept. And it's so exciting, I thought, at the time. That is of out there crazy idea that is super inspiring and it's something that no no fucking suit behind a desk would ever want to do or think about and it's that kind of freedom um and it's such a clever move as well because as you said it probably got more traction right than it would have got um, it must have got so much press and attention yeah um and they've got so much stuff that, like, why not do it with this album? <laughs> like, yeah, it gets people in it, and they can release it and do whatever, and come back to the other stuff and see them live or whatever, where the real money is. Then, yeah, it. yeah. I'm surprised um, Rich hasn't done a version of it on uh, my telephone voice record. <laughs> yeah, I might tell him about it. Because hmm, yeah, there's an instant that. audience for it. <laughs> yeah, I'll have, a, I'll have a chat with him. Um, yeah. Uh, do check out my Telefoy voice records. This isn't a proper plug, but um, you can listen to him uh, do some noise things, such as take a bath. Um, <laughs> you can buy that. Um, and some other uh, weird and wonderful uh, stuff, um, as well as stuff that me, me and Dan have done. Yeah, this is our erstwhile bandmate from... So me and Sam have a band called Cells, and uh, Rich was in the band for a while as bassist, and... Uh, He's got a little label specialising in, what do you call them, ephemeral <laughs> releases? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't... Redundant, I don't redundant <laughs> formats. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he's obsessed with uh, t- Obsolete, cassette tapes um, <laughs> and things like that. Um, and yeah, he does do CDs as well, which is not completely obsolete now, I suppose. Um But yeah, well worth... Uh, I mean, obviously you get codes as well, so you can download it. Um It's not completely useless um and uh yeah it's definitely worth uh checking out um that god it is a bit it's turned into a plug my telephone voice.com yeah. i think i don't know <laughs> just type in rich keeble my telephone voice and something will come up uh i look forward to the my telephone voice pressing of polygon to one around <laughs> um i will tell him he'll, he'll could do it on tape or something i bet he should do it he should um the band did release eventually, well, Flightless Records eventually, a year later in November 2018, did put out their own version. Mm-hmm. Um, but they allowed for a whole year for all these other record labels to, you know, capitalise on it. Brilliant. So it's a great move. And then we come to, you know, at that point I was really thinking they aren't going to do this five album things, uh, five album Thing. and i was also thinking like what the hell can they put out now 
Um, and it was, you know, it was December and then it was Christmas and there's nothing coming out. And I do remember on New Year's Eve, just thinking, it's well, it hasn't happened. And then, bam, announcement, it's up. It's available now. Uh, on, on the, the last day? Sites. Yeah. Wow. 31st of December. Gumboot Soup. Mm. Um, what did you think of it, Sam? Uh, I've put here in my notes, very dreamy, nice, 70s. Um, and actually, this is a key point. It reminds me of the Fantastic Planet soundtrack. Um, huh? And do you know Fantastic Planet? Le Planet yeah. Sauvage. Um, yeah, through you. I saw it about 10 years ago, maybe. Right, yeah. I know it's, you're a big fan. Yeah, I love it. It's fucking weird. It's, I'll tell you what, we should actually do it for, um, for this podcast because it is odd yeah. as fuck. Um, and I had like, it, for a while, I watched it at uni and basically it's a French animation from the uh, 60s, 70s, whatever, really well animated fucking weird as shit and it's basically <laughs> about an alien planet where humans are tiny and they're essentially um like pets for these big alien creatures who have these like mind melts and all this stuff and it's basically about the humans kind of learning to revolt against their overlords um and all this stuff uh and it's super cool but part of how it got famous at the time and still to this day is it has quite an influential soundtrack can't remember the, mm. the, the uh, name of the guy who did it, but um, it's often a lot of like, especially French um, electronic artists or whatever, often cite it as like a inspiration. Um, and mm. it's well worth checking out. Anyway, and I remember oh, like I, I probably f- like that. Yeah, it's good. And I remember I couldn't find it for any, anywhere for ages, and I had to get an Australian uh, Australian DVD, and it cost me like yeah. thirty quid or something because they only made a few of them. And this was back before like streaming or anything. And that was the only, um, and that was it. And I just had it and I like cherished it. God knows where it is now. But um, yeah, I've got like a Fantastic Planet poster um, that they released in Japan, which is worth a fucking few quid as well upstairs, um, which is really cool. Uh, Yeah, so I love it. Anyway, it reminded me very much of of that, some parts of it anyway, Um, this weird kind of dreamy sequence. I've put here like greenhouse heat death is quite cool and dark. Um, yeah. Barefoot desert. I didn't like, apparently I've said it's a, it's a boring aerial pink song. Um, <laughs> great. Great yeah, chain of maybe. being, <laughs> great chain of being. I've said is great. And all I, all is known. I liked. Um, okay. So yeah, I think for me by this point, I was a bit like, yeah, this is, this is kind of in the middle. Um, it's a very much a, okay um king gizzard album it's kind of doing fine it's got some cool tracks whatever um but it's not it's not it's obviously not wowed me enough to actually make too much of a fuss of it yeah i think that's how most people feel about it it kind of uh falls through the cracks because you know again it hasn't got uh concepts around it it hasn't really got that much meat um i really really love it uh, Great Chain of Being is one of my favourite songs of theirs on any album. Mm. I just love how it's so... At that point, again, I was like, this is the heaviest thing they've done. Um, but there's loads of other songs in there that I really like. Down the Sink is one of my favourites. It's not like anything else they've done. It's kind of really, really strange, actually. 
um, but very poppy. I have to listen back to that. Yeah, and that's one, I think that's by uh, Cook Craig. So one of the other songwriters in the band. Mm -hmm. But essentially this, you know, and again, the title alludes to the fact that this was basically tracks that they'd recorded throughout the year for the other albums that hadn't quite fit. Um, so, you know, some people say it's just odds and sods, leftovers, but to me, it kind of, it's more like a, like a best of those albums, but without using any of the actual album tracks, you see what I mean? Yeah. It's like they took some of the best examples of things and I don't know why they felt that some of these didn't fit onto the albums. Um, but there's just some great stuff and it's, you know, so, so diverse Maybe it doesn't hang together, you know, all that uh, coherently. But it's nice to have, just have like a song orientated album. It's like, here's just, you know, some good songs. Um, and so in that way, I find it very approachable. And I think it's quite a nice listen if you, you know, if you're just trying to get into the band. Um, yeah. And you yeah. want to hear like the, the whole breadth of kind of what they're uh, able to do. Um, apparently, Stu McKenzie was working on this over Christmas to get it done in time. Brilliant. <laughs> we we'll about leaving we it late. fucking promised it. <laughs> uh, the, um, so, yeah, so this is just kind of like, I mean, they kind of released it, right, because they put it online just in time. But then the physical formats didn't come out until uh, in the new year. But, yeah, basically, they did what they set out to do, which is really incredible. They recorded five and released five whole albums, uh, you know, and they're all good albums, all very different albums, you know, filler, um, just an incredible achievement alongside everything else they're doing, touring, uh, setting up their own, you know, they have their own annual festival they have to run, Gizfest, doing the record label. It's just uh, unprecedented. And I know bands back like in the 60s maybe churned out five albums a year. A very different time and it was kind of like you know three good songs and then a load of album filler um i just i don't think we're going to see an achievement like this i can't imagine it ever again that's true it was uh quite the endeavor but it did uh, yeah i think it paid off generally it didn't it didn't feel like anything was particularly shit basically put it that way it got them a ton of media attention and a whole load more fans that's for sure um oh, but after that they um you know they took a bit of time off so <laughs> we then didn't get anything in 2018 mm. um but in 2019 uh they dropped uh this next track <laughs> was Psy Boogie, um, which came out in February of 2019 after a, uh, like I said, like a, a year, a barren year for music. Um, 
at the time I just thought, wow, fantastic. We're going to get like a disco synth album. Um, however, they then released Fishing for Fishies, the, the song. Um, completely different, a world away, just sort of like this idyllic, breezy pop music. Yeah. So that was really, um, you know, really intriguing. And of course, everyone's going, like, what is this album going to be? Um, and then I think the artwork and the track listing came out. And then, out of nowhere, in April, so before the album came out, in April, early April, they uploaded the video for the song Planet B. Yeah. Oh, right. So hold on. They've, they've released a video for Planet B before the Fishing for Fishies came out. Yes. And people knew that Planet B wasn't on the track listing for that album. So, I mean, again, it's just like an example of how they Jesus. really, they, they really use for social media, I think, really well. Because um, they knew, obviously, that was going to whip up a load of conjecture. Uh, and it did. <laughs> yeah. That's mad. That's um, absolutely crazy. You haven't even released your album and you're releasing a song from the album after. Exactly. It's bonkers. <laughs> But of course, and loads of people were going, oh my God, they're going to do a thrash metal album. And I was like, mm, hold on, no. And I think, um, I think I did a video on Fishing for Fishies and I said this and I got it completely wrong. Um, but I was like, I think Planet B is just a standalone song and video they've done. Um, because actually if you chart the progress of the Fishing for Fishies album, it kind of gets more weird and extreme. And it's kind of like, maybe they just didn't want to slap that on the end of the album. But they were like, this is this is interconnected some way. Um, but I was wrong. Because uh, they did follow up with a thrash metal album. But before we get to that, uh, later in April, they delivered Fishing for Fishies. Fishing for Fishies. Um, quite a strange album in many ways. Um, Why have they called it that, <laughs> do you think? Um, well... There's an obvious environmental theme to this album. Um, and in that song, he talks about, I think, you know, like this kind of like pastoral existence of fishing. You know, it's like a, it's like Mark Twain, right? Huckleberry Finn. This is like a beautiful, idyllic image. But then he's talking about actually, you know, fishing isn't okay. Um, I don't want to kill fish. And it's basically talking about, yeah, overfishing. Um, the album then goes on to talk about, you know, the dangers of plastic. Um, and there's a lot of stuff about, you know, characters who are basically destroying the world. Um, and I read up a little bit on this. At the time, I, was, I thought, okay, what seems to be happening is you go from this, like, sense of everything's really nice in the world to at the end where everything's really dark and fucked up. And again, you've got this um, Han Taumi character and everything sounds really dark and dystopic and apocalyptic. Um, so yeah, that's and, and that's kind of what's going on in the cover as well with that like cyborg fishing and everything's on fire. It's a cool um, cover. Yeah, what did you think of this album? Um, yeah, I, uh, so I've put here about the uh, scales, which I came on to earlier. Um and that everything kind of goes up and it goes down, all the scales. Um, yeah, quite psychedelic again, I guess. Um, I've put this quite gentle. Uh, again, a lot yeah. of flange. Um, 
Yeah, the song, uh, the main title song, Fishy for Fishies, is quite nice and happy, isn't it? Quite sunny. Um, yeah. There's an element where it's a bit bluesy as well, I guess. Um, well, apparently they set out, apparently they set out to make a blues album. Okay, that makes sense. That was going to be the concept here, but they said that they just sort of let the songs breathe and go their own way and do their own thing. And that's why then things get uh, a bit weirder and out there. And what they did was, apparently, they just sequenced it at the end. They just went, we'll put the most normal song at the beginning and we'll just have it getting weirder and weirder and weirder. Okay, yeah, that worked. (laughs) Um, yeah, I've put Bird Song that I liked and I've put like Cruel Millennial. Um, it sounds like a you know, cool old rock record. It's something kind of almost like 70s Led Zepp or something about it. Some yeah. nice, nice riffs in there. So again, it was okay. T-Rex. I, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was all right. Yeah, didn't, I wasn't particularly wild. Again, I'd say there was, yeah, as I said, there's a few tracks that I quite liked. But um, yeah, I don't really like the bluesy side of it that much, I don't think. Um, don't like a bit of boogie-woogie? No, don't think I do. Sorry. Um, yeah. I was a bit disappointed, to be honest. Um, it's a bit of a patchy one for me. I really loved Side Boogie. I thought it was so much fun. Um, also, I've never heard the uh, bass line from the Wombles used to such good effect. But Cy Boogie um, was released as a single as well, like an actual seven inch single with um, Acarine on the B side. Mm-hmm. And to me, they're the two best songs. Right. So that's the one that kind of like it goes into like some weird synthy stuff that leads into Cy Boogie. Um, and then, yeah, some of those other songs, they're just, they're very, you know, they're nice, but they're, they're just very light and um, it's just not to my taste, really. This, to me, it feels like their most probably poppy radio album. Right. Yeah. Pitchfork yeah. brutally gave this 4.8. Okay. I mean, I can kind of, see, I can kind of see why. I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, 4.8 does feel... Does feel fairly low, but um, yeah. What what was the point you're thinking they're trying to make? I think they just thought maybe this band's got too big for their britches, and I think it, it read like something from like a, a young journalist trying to make a name for themselves. Um, they're not just that a total good. assassination, right? Yeah, it was kind of like, look, the bubbles burst here. Um, how you dress it up? This is just some nonsense music <laughs> mm. about boogieing. I mean, the, the word boogie gets said quite a lot on this album. Don't like the boogie. Um, Blame it on the boogie. That's what they should have said. Yeah. <laughs> I think of you when I hear Boogie Man Sam. <laughs> the problem is as well with a lot of these is because I just listen to them back to back. I don't really have an idea of the titles. <laughs> uh, so it'd be very difficult for me to pick that one out, but I'm glad that you know. I'm glad that you're thinking of me. Okay, it's like boogie, 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 boogie. I imagine you shaking your booty around the <laughs> house. <laughs> I can't remember. It's, he does some quite unsavory things in the lyrics. I can't remember. Like jumps up and kills some children or something. <laughs> it, it reminded me of um, the like sack creature in Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See who I am. 
What's he called? What's he called? The boogie woogie man or something? Yeah, oogie woogie. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, fucking hell, good name. It's me. It's me. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, though, I mean, everyone was kind of like ready to move on, expecting this bloody thrash metal album. So it wasn't long. August, we were delivered in fast the rat's nest. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much straight up, yeah. Thrash, thrash metal album. I played this to some of my friends who like 80s thrash metal and they were quite impressed and they thought they obviously, they do know their stuff. Well, obviously it's not just pure thrash metal. It's still got some of their trademark kind of like guitar tones and sounds. Yeah. Um, There are some slower songs, stuff like Superbug, which really reminds me of Motorhead. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, this is like pretty much full on. Uh, what did you think about it? Yeah, I um, I was up and down about it. So, like, I don't like this kind of stuff. I, if you remember, we did this for hitting the shit, right? And I was like, I don't like it. Oh, yeah. Um, and I still don't like that element of it. If I take it into the context of they're doing this kind of, like, weird 80s thrash metal sound, then I'm like, yeah, yeah okay, it's good. It's good for that, if you like that. Um, there are some bits I do like about it i mean i quite like the fact that they've done this and that it's you know, a bit darker a bit more metal and and all that but um yeah this is just not my it's not my thing basically um I, i've put here organ farmer i really hated um <laughs> but you know they've got those quite like metally almost like chanting sing-along bits to yeah. it um, pumping stuff yeah um i've put here like venusian one i liked um, because it's got a bit more of a hook, but again, it's still quite cheesy metal, but um, that was all right. And then Hell, um, I yeah. also liked, and I've said it's like, it's a, again, that one is it's borderline Queens of the Stone Age again as well, actually, just in terms of the riffs and stuff. Um, it kind of goes off on its own, like, again, like the kind of cheesy metal stuff. But when it comes back, I'm like, man, this could be, like this chunk here could be a Queens of the Stone Age song. Um yeah, and yeah. To be honest, it's like I. Th- it was in a weird way. It was quite refreshing from where we'd been, and then I was like, "This is just a straight out fucking metal record." Yeah, um, it's interesting. It, well, I think I feel the same way you do. I mean, it's all very adept, is what I will say. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's not really. It's not really my kind of thing. Yeah, I was going to say you don't really um, listen to this stuff, do you? So, be, not really. No. no. Like you, I find it a bit too, especially that that 80s sound. I I like it, it's very evocative, but like you say, it's kind of a bit cheesy. Mm. Um, This again seems to earn the band a whole load of new fans. Right. (laughs) We were just clamoring for for an album like this, a proper metal album. Um, They did some really cool social media around this. I was actually going to ask you, but I thought you'd you'd already had way too much stuff to do for this episode. Um, But they released a little retro first-person shooter called uh, called Mars for the Rich. No. Um, So I don't know if you picked up on, like, what's going on with the lyrics of this song, but basically it's like the, the earth is done. We've used up the earth. There is no planet B. Um, However... The rich have basically gone and populated Mars. Um, so all the poor people are left on this like shitty Earth and they, they can't afford to be on Mars. Um, so that's side A and that's kind of like 
that is how things are now environmentally. And then side B is kind of a bit more like a fantasy epic, uh, again, tying into some Gizverse stuff about some people leaving to explore space and try and um, go to Venus and see if that can be right. um, colonized. So yeah, so this Mars for the Rich um, song, they have done. They did this first person shooter and yeah. kind of go around. It looks like Duke, uh, uh, June, sorry. Um, June. Doom. I'm just looking Doom. at it now, yeah, it's, um, it's exactly like Doom. It's mad. Well, fucking hell, hats off for doing it. Jesus. They, um, the way they recorded this album is quite different as well. They've just released, I think, a few weeks ago um, on their YouTube channel. It's called Ratty. Uh, it's like a bit behind the scenes of recording the album. Um, so it was just three of them. So it was hmm. um, Stu McKenzie, um, Cavs the drummer, and Joey Walker played bass. Right. Um so I thought that was that was interesting. They just bashed it out as a three piece, and then I think all the rest of the band, except for uh, the bassist, um, you know, did some overdubs and added some stuff. But essentially, it was just that core three piece. So like stripping it back to a proper, you know, rock band lineup. That's great. Kind of like Motorhead lineup, right? Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I didn't notice that at all. Really, it still sounded. Still sounded like there was a lot going on, so that's that's really impressive. That yeah, they did it. You know the fucking. Well, that's probably the overdubs. Yeah, but as in like, there's like seven of them, but they've just decided to do it with three of them. If you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, impressive for everyone. As in, yeah, I think that's quite exciting. It's like three of them are gonna go. We're gonna do an album. So yeah, I suppose by that point you're like fucking good luck. I'm gonna take a rest. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool, isn't it? Like a couple of guys could break off and do something, and instead of releasing it like as a new project, we're just going to release it all under the banner of our uh, of our band name. Mm. Yeah, they could. They, maybe maybe they'll go that way and become more of like a collective. Yeah, why they not? Be putting out even more stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a cool idea. Why not? I mean, it sounds like they're pretty much easy for doing whatever. Just try and shit out. So interesting. Um, this year, they have so far uh, released, well, they released three live albums in January um, from the 2019 tour of Europe. Um, so one from Paris, one from Brussels, one from Adelaide, oh, not Europe, <laughs> mm. Australia there. Um, and they put those out, basically each one, uh, the proceeds went to three separate organizations battling the bushfires. Mm-hmm. Which feels like a, a long time ago, right? Yeah. It's only back in January. Well, a lot happened. Other world <laughs> events have taken over. Yeah. Um, they're cool, those albums, because they really highlight how like diverse their set lists were for that tour. Like there's a lot of material in their back catalogue and they you know, they don't just don't just like done right, these are the twenty songs we're gonna play. They're playing loads of stuff. So like just learning it must be. It's gonna sound. Suppose they could fucking remember it. Jesus, I saw them on this tour. I kept missing them. I'd wanted to see them for years, and I just kept missing them for stupid reasons. And um, by the time I got to see them, I had to go to the bloody Alexandra Palace, which is Ali Pali, horrible venue. Yeah, it's just like it's like being at a festival but in a massive hall. Mm. Um, and I was just I felt so old. 
so there's, there's so many youngsters, young young whippersnappers. They're really annoying me as well, doing circle pits and all this. Like they've seen them on a, a YouTube video. I would. I think I would love to see them live. Um, strikes me that there's a lot kind of going on. I mean, was it worth it? Oh, they were brilliant. Um, I was really scratching my head to kind of go like, how are they going to tour? They seem to be touring Fishing for Fishies and Infest the Rat's Nest, which don't really mesh all that well. Um, but they they managed it. They bit, did a bunch of Infest the Rat's Nest stuff when they came on and then basically segued it into some like more psychedelic-y stuff and then segued that into some of the older um trippier stuff and and then from there on it just kind of all fit together nicely and they played the great chain of being so i was super happy oh cool nice who supported uh, you remember um yeah it was stonefield i think they're called three australian girls yeah and yeah i've seen them before um yeah they're all right it's, the drummer sings and all that stuff right <clears throat> yeah i thought they were pretty good mm. Yeah, they're right. And Orb, who is an act that's on their label. Right. Yeah. And that was pretty good as well. Um, And then obviously bring it right up to date. Uh, Most recently, we've had the Chunky Shrapnel tour film. Mm -hmm. Are you saying Um, film? So it was a video, is it? I've obviously only know the soundtrack. Yeah. So what they did was. yeah, this was from that tour. It was going to be screened as a film on the 3rd and 4th of March at the Astor Theatre in Melbourne. Uh, obviously, that couldn't happen. Right. So they did a sort of on-demand um, streaming on Vimeo on the 17th of April. And it was so popular, they did a repeat viewing a week later on the 24th, which coincided with the release of the album, How Convenient. Hmm. Um, so it is first and foremost a film. And Chunky Shrapnel, I was thinking about this earlier when I was listening to it. I was like, it's not really a live album. It is more the soundtrack to the film. Right. In that it doesn't have the flow of a live album, in my opinion. No. And it's also got each sort of quarter of it is broken up by the strange new kind of like eerie, almost ambient instrumental tracks. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Because I was like having like the intro track, for instance, like Evil Star or whatever. I'm like, why are they- What's going on? Like, what's the point? And that makes sense. The fact if it was, um, yeah, it's supposed to be a film, basically. Exactly. Yeah, I I don't personally think it works all that well on the album. Um, I thought, for me, I prefer the three live albums that they put out, the benefit albums um, that present three full concerts. Um, I think they they picked some strange songs really uh, to put on this. And considering, like, this is the first proper canon live album that they've done, um, it's a bit disappointing. Because, you know, we haven't even spoken about them as a live band, really, but that is one another whole huge side of their appeal and why they've got so many fans. It's, you know, amazing, manic, feast for the eyes. Right. Um, and, yeah, I think this does them a bit, a bit short shrift, really. Yeah, fair enough yeah I mean I've listened to it and um I've just but yeah like it's all like really well produced as well so I was like yeah it's not 
it, it's not really much. It didn't feel like that much of a live element to me. There's obviously some bits and some crowd shit and whatever. But um, yeah, hearing things like Planet B was good, I suppose. Like, you know, live. Um, but yeah, I I kind of zipped through this quite quickly, to be honest. Yeah, it's uh, an, not an essential album, in my opinion. No, it's a lot. Though. There's a lot of tracks, right? Yeah, it's a double on vinyl, double album. I mean, well, to bring us right up to date, then again, this song Honey's arrived. So uh, hopefully we're on the cusp of album 16 and hopefully it's microtonal tunings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what they come out with next. Yeah, but um, what else could it possibly be? Oh, Hip hop album? Who knows? Who knows? Hopefully, um, yeah. Classical? I'd like that. Why not? They could probably do a good job. It's hard to imagine them not being able to... I mean, obviously it depends if it's something they're genuinely passionate about, but it's hard to imagine them really, really fucking anything up. (laughs) No. You know, just just you wait. Let's see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we'll make them do a Christmas album. Yeah, see how well we go with that. Tim Wheeler. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't recommend it. Okay, welcome to Nerd Corner, where I'm going to dig into a few little uh, specific releases and songs that you may not be aware of if you're just a casual King Gizzard fan. Um, so in 2010, they released their first singles. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning. Um, Both of these were just CDRs with hand-drawn, bold-out covers. Um, So there's these four songs from those two singles. I mean, you'll never find a copy, surely. And if you do, it's going to cost you hundreds of dollars. Um, Obviously, you can go online and listen to these songs, probably find them on YouTube or whatever. Mm. I thought they were all really, really good. They were sort of like proto willoughby's beach um not as maybe as manic and more emphasis on that kind of surf guitar mm-hmm. um and then likewise angle c the four track ep that followed those singles uh, again there's only 150 copies of that on cd for some reason obviously the band has just kind of like neglected these songs um but you'd think there'd be a really nice Final in the works. They could put all eight songs on one uh, on one disc. Um, surely, like the fans would love that. I would love it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that kind of like first chapter missing. If, if you only start with Willoughby's Beach, you're missing out on that that really early stuff. Um, through researching this, I became aware of a song they did in 2012. Um, have you ever heard of the album uh, compilation album Nuggets? No quite well known i think it was like from the 70s and it was called uh, artifacts of the original psychedelic era and it kind of like gathered up um loads of obscure um psych rock and garage rock um stuff from the 60s um and it's become quite famous and influential so in 2012 basically they did this thing called nuggets Antipodean interpolations of the first psychedelic era um, and got a bunch of Australian bands to cover the 
songs from the original Nuggets series. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favourite songs from that series is Open My Eyes by a band called Naz, right. um, which was the band that Todd Rundgren kind of uh, came out from. So yeah, King Gizzard did a cover of Open My Eyes and um, it's just like a match made in heaven. It's got a nice, it's got a significant, uh, satisfying riff to it. Um, but yeah, if you know the song, it's like psych rock bliss. So, And they've done it a really, you know, a really good job on it. Can you only get it um, on this record? It's only on that record. Right. Um, and that record isn't on Spotify. Well, that's it then. So you have to dig around. <laughs> <laughs> The end of that. Use some, use some um, considered Googling is my recommendation. <laughs> okay, cool. The dark web. Um, things, yeah, no, don't, uh, you don't have to, God, blimey. <laughs> can I order, <laughs> can I order nuggets, antipathy and inspirations, please? Dan told me yeah, about like half some a, nuggets. <laughs> half a kilo of black heroin. <laughs> yeah. Putting it on your vinyl record player. It doesn't <laughs> get it. <laughs> sorry. 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 Um, 2014. Spoke about Head On Pill being a seminal track in the band's catalogue. This was actually released as a single sided 12 inch picture disc mm-hmm. for Record Store Day in 2014. Uh, only 300 copies. So. The average selling price of that is on Discogs, one hundred and twenty-seven pounds at the moment. Yeah. Um, and actually, if you want to buy one on Discogs, there's only one at the moment. It's five hundred quid. Jesus. Um, it was actually just reissued this year for Record Store Day. So, what, like a couple of months ago, uh, I didn't know anything about that. They did five hundred copies of it on rancid rainwater coloured vinyl. What's that? Um, what would that be? That's it's kind of like one. a ready, marbled, splattery thing. I mean, that's part of the fun of all these different weird colour variants of King Gizzard vinyl is you always get very <laughs> evocative mm. uh, descriptions of what the colours are. Lovely. That sounds cool. Um, I would not have thought yeah, that that's colour what... scheme, though. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's already averaging about 80 quid. So if you missed the boat on that... Idiots. Um, I mean, that'll only, only go up in price. So, I mean... It's investment. 80 quid. Yeah, it might be worth nipping in and getting one. Why not? Um, cellophane, the single. Um, so, you know, they've, they've released a lot of singles from albums, but usually it's just like a digital thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cellophane was released as a seven-inch single in the UK only on the Heavenly label, who do most of their like distribution for Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool. It comes with a pair of 3D glasses to tie in with the, the cover and like the video of them going through the TV and it's all 3D. Um, but what's exciting is it, it has got a legitimate B-side, which is the track The Holy Ghost. Um, God knows why they didn't include it on I'm In Your Mind Fuzz. It's a really good album. I really like it. It's quite bluesy, harmonica-driven one, so you might not like it, Sam. Right. Um, it's a little bit more mid-tempo, but... Uh, it just it's a little bit different to anything else in their catalogue, I think. What's it called? Um The Holy Ghost. So not holy with a W. Holy, right. Holy. Um it is on Spotify. Oh. Well I might check it out um, then. I might have a look. 
You can pick one of those seven inches up for about 150 quid. Nah, you're right. If you're, uh, if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with Spotify. Yeah, exactly. It's like a three-month Spotify. It's fine. Um, I wanted to do a, a deep dive into Polygon to Wonderland, but I'll spare you that. Um, <laughs> currently, on Discogs, yeah, yeah. guess how yeah. many... How many variants of Polygon to Wonderland oh, do you think there are? So this is the one that was given away free yeah. that anyone could press up and release. Um, how many different versions? I'm going to guess uh, 220. You're not far off. That was a good guess. 279. Okay. All right. Good. And that includes <laughs> CDs, cassettes, all kind of different color vinyl under the sun. Um, some people have pressed it to two discs at 45 RPM, but some people are getting really creative. You've got, got some old retro reel to reel tapes, wow. um, some eight track cartridges. Uh, someone's done a, a series of floppy discs. Um, floppy there's some discs. amazing stuff out there. <laughs> floppy discs. Oh, there's so many. Surely, uh, it's shit quality, I suppose, but uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, my my copy, I've got a nice copy. It's like um, red and green. Uh, sorry, red and green, red and black. Mm. Quite mysterious and bloody and smoky. Um, from a little Welsh record label. All right. So um, that's quite a nice one. Oh, good. Did you re- anyway? Did you review that on your channel? That one. No, yeah. I'm have to get around to it one day. Um, I'm thinking off the back of this, I'm going to do the first five that I got in that bundle. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, so Polygon to Wonderland, I mean, you could just go on for days about all the brilliant stuff there. Yeah. I did just want to finish this with a shout out to Oddments because this was, I think this was the first time I saw anything to do with the band. I saw a picture of the first Australian pressing of Flightless Records on Instagram. And I was just like, that is the most beautiful looking record I've ever seen. I want to like that record. <laughs> um, so they only did 500 copies. And it was, it's like triple gatefold. So all the artwork folds out. And it's really, um, I don't know if you've seen it, it's like really colourful, cartoony. And the vinyl is like rainbow splatter. Um, it's just such a treat for the eyes. Maybe you should post it. Um, if you can find it, post it to the new Winter account. Good call. Yeah, I'll do that. So, yeah. Go to our Instagram and hopefully by the time you listen to this, it will be there. Um, if anyone would like to give me a copy, <laughs> <laughs> it goes for so much now. You're probably looking at five to seven hundred pounds, depending on wow. the edition. But that would be like a, a holy grail for me just because I just loved it so much. And that's what led to me going, looking on YouTube, I think. And like I said, the first song I heard was uh, Satan Speeds Up. So, I mean, but yeah, I mean, there's such a, they are a band that is perfectly positioned for people who collect records and, and like all the packaging. And they do so much to make that a special, special experience for all the fans. Oh. Um, so there's endless amounts of good gears stuff music for musos they know their audience and clearly don't they so 
Good on him. Have you got any uh, reviews for us? Oh, here come the reviews. I hate it. Uh, yeah, I have to be honest. Um, I thought there'd be funnier ones. <laughs> um, we'll go with uh, some of the more positive ones. This one was the for the flying microtonal banana. Um, subject: It's a King Gizzard CD. Um, it's just reviewed. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know if the user. Oh well, he's he's made it out there. My wife said it met her expectations. She thought it would be horrible, <laughs> and she said it was. However, it was a present for my son, and he likes it. I thought he would, so yes, it did meet my expectations. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think maybe he got an email from Amazon saying, "Will you review your purchase?" Yeah, exactly. It's good. Thanks. You know what? No one's ever. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for asking. <laughs> No one, no one I thought ever he was. Um, I thought he was reviewing his sexual servicing of his wife. <laughs> Met her expectations. She thought it'd be horrible. It was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was my son's originally. <laughs> yeah, it was a present for my son. He yeah, likes it. Some, some problems uh, in that family. Yeah. Um, this one was a five out of five uh, uh, for I'm in your mind fuzz. Um, and the subject is Fuzziness, Fuzzier, Fuzzy Mindset by, uh, and the author is Psychedelic Mud, sorry, Psychedelic Mad Slug. And the review goes, oh yeah, yes, it absolutely messes with your mindlessly mindset. That's it. So, um, that's five out of five for the Psychedelic Mad Slug. Maybe stay off the, uh, stay off the psychedelics and psychotropics. (laughs) Mad Slug. Mad Slug. Um. And these are some of the more, uh, the, the poorer reviews, let's say. Um, this is for Murder uh, of the Universe, two out of five by Jim Pansy. And he's, but the subject is my least favorite Kugat Lua album so far, which is the King Gizzard and the Lest Wizard in there. Uh, uh, um, in 2016, I was repeatedly recommended Paper Mache Dream Balloon by this band. Um, the way he's phrased that makes it sound like the band were recommending it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you really like it. Come on, I recommend it. Um, I listened and didn't like it much. Then I heard Nona Gone Infinity and I loved it and still regularly play it. Flying Microtonal Banana confirmed that this was one of my favourite bands ever. Murder of the Universe, however, left me cold. Too disjointed. <laughs> Tracks are broken up by spoken word passages and same me throughout. And the songs just haven't grabbed me. I've listened a few times and I just can't get into it. Fortunately, this band is nothing if not prolific. So if they do release a stinker, you know there'll be something else along soon. And I love sketches of Brunwick East, so I'm happy. Huh. Yeah, ended on a high. Gave it two out of five. Though. Yeah. Um, and this next one was for uh, 12 Bar Brews by Stuart Burns. Gave it two out of five. Um, and there's no subject. Um, and he's put, in my opinion, not a great album. Wish I'd never brought it. Where did he bring it to? Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it just made it just made I made me laugh. I'm just imagining like he's like <laughs> on a desert island or something. <laughs> 
About <sighs> seven albums, Stuart. Yeah, I wish you never brought it. Fucking hell. Brought it all out here. <laughs> Could have had anything. But obviously, we're being dicks. He obviously means bought it, doesn't he? <laughs> but I like the idea. It's like, oh, yeah, but he didn't say that. This. Wish I never brought it to this uh, to this review of Twelve Bar Bridge that Amazon asked me to do. Uh, don't bring it up. Uh, don't bring it up. Um, yeah, so that was kind of it, basically. So those 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 are the reviews. So mixed a mixed bag there. Some some people like the band. Some people just don't like them. It's fine. It's fine. That's yeah, absolutely it. fine. Um, I mean, that's my final summing up of the band. I think it's fine. Chill out. It's like uh, your mate says. One comes along, you don't like it, just wait for the next one. Yeah, my mate. But Sam, <laughs> what's your final impression? Well, and I would like you to deliver your final impression in the voice of Eyes Like the Sky narrator, Broderick Smith. Okay, I'm going to have to listen to it. Very <laughs> 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 <Pretty> quickly. <laughs> one sec, one sec. I'll listen to it on my phone. This is the best way. You can leave this in the show. It'll be fine. Oh, it's great. Such a great song, this one. <laughs> yes, it's a kind of William S. Burroughs and this type of voice. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was about to read something out. I haven't got anything written down. <laughs> <laughs> King, okay, right, right, right. King, I've forgotten what the fucking band are called. King Gizzard. <laughs> <laughs> now, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Now, there's a band that meets you at high noon, and you don't know whether they're going to bring a, a parsnip from the ranch or a, a tickler from your old lady upstairs. <laughs> they, they shoot from the hip, and they shoot straight. Um and they play they play good music and some of it's some of it's all right and some of it well you can just get on up on a horse and get the hell out of dodge <laughs> <laughs> yep you have, you have varmint you're a pirate at the end there very good i liked the bit in the middle where he sounded like he was gonna have a stroke <laughs> um <laughs> that was actually me having a stroke Nothing to do with my heart. Um, yeah, it was it was good. I enjoyed the, as I said, like yeah, it was. Uh, um, it was quite the journey uh, from that little EP all the way to well, Honey, but yeah, that live album. I suppose it was like the last the last album, and um, yeah, blew my mind. Um, and it was it was a tough endeavor, but one that was thoroughly enjoyable be interested to kind of like pull out <clears throat> to basically make my own King Gizzard playlist, I suppose, and just pull out the stuff that I like and just create my own little playlist. Yeah. <laughs> People's King Gizzard playlists look very different. Yeah. As you can imagine. I bet. I bet. Um, I wouldn't recommend to anyone listening, if you haven't heard the band or, you know, if you haven't actually listened to any of their albums, don't listen to them all back to back in a week. Um <laughs> Yeah, take take your time. I mean, Sam, Sam is a professional, <laughs> um, highly paid professional, so he's able to uh, digest that amount of music quickly. Um, 
but uh, you know you do put your sanity i think in the hands of others when you give over so much time to exploring a catalog like this take that as a warning i mean they've done more in those 10 years than like 10 bands have done <laughs> their entire you know, yeah. lifetime and successful bands like you know good good on them well done and um yeah keep going and keep using all your you know different tactics of kind of getting the word out there and you know just i think part of it is i just like the fact that they just do them and they do what they like and they enjoy and i think that comes through uh, yeah it's a real positive thing yeah are you going to come to the next king gizzards gig yeah i'll come along i think i would yeah i think it'll be um, interesting to see what they do um but yeah, it's definitely intrigued me. Then my work here is done. <laughs> um, what are we going to talk about next week? Oh, Dan, it's a good point. Shall I bring up the? Uh, I'll bring up the list. The wheel, the wheel of doom, the wheel of misfortune. Um, it's not a list. It's like a big. I imagine it's like a big tumbler, like like Guinevere on the National Lottery, circa nineteen ninety three. Guinevere. Right. The next one we are going to do is. Oh, that's a good one, actually. I wouldn't mind doing this. Um, well, I chose it. It's uh, a movie. It's going to be okay. uh, Dogtooth. Have you seen Dogtooth? I have uh, a long time ago, probably shortly after it came out. Mm. So uh, same here. Um, so yeah, I'm. There's. A, I think I've got a copy of it somewhere. If I haven't, then we're going to do something else. <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm sure we can find it yeah. online, right? Yeah, it'd be streaming. Somewhere. There's a link. There's a link to King Gizzard because if you watch the video for Planet B, um, I don't know if you saw it, There, there's a, a scene where they're all lined up and one of the band members is like berating them all and they're all on all fours barking like dogs. Yeah, that's interesting. Spoiler, that happens in the film. Uh, yeah, it's a clear visual from that. It's a visual reference to that film. Um, probably a comment on basically how people have been brainwashed into just accepting the, the, the delusion that the earth is fine when it's actually going down in flames. I don't think anyone thinks the yeah. earth is fine anymore, do they? <laughs> I think it's pretty apparent it's going down, down the, um, in flames. Well, for, for those who don't actually know, so Dogtooth is a, it's a Greek film. Um, released in 2009. Obviously, we're going to a bit, but it's um, director is called, let me get his name, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, who after this went to do a whole bunch of really fucking great films. Um, I, don't, I don't know how many films have used, uh, of his that you have seen, Dan. I don't know if you're aware of his other films, I should say either. Uh, no, uh, let's say what they are. So he did, um, I'll get them up. So after this, he did, well, he did a couple of shorts, whatever, but he did The Lobster, Colin Farrell. Did you see that? I did see that. I, I thought that was very good. Yeah, really good. And then he did The Killing of a Sacred Deer, again with Colin Farrell, mm, which wasn't, no, wasn't as good, um, but it was still, I really liked it. A lot of people didn't really like it, but I thought it was really fucking cool. Um, and I didn't realise this, he directed The Favourite. Did you know that? Um, what's that? <laughs> uh, what's that? Um, it's the one where old what's her name from Peep Show got an Oscar. <laughs> oh, Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. That's it. She plays Queen Anne. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, uh, that's it. Yeah, Rachel Weisz and um, 
Emma Stone. Um, and oh, I thought that looked good. I, w- I wanted to see that and then I forgot about well, it. Well, I didn't want to see it because I vaguely remember it's based on a book about someone just made, it's that kind of weird thing where it's about history that didn't really happen or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. And I remember thinking, ugh. And, um, but now that I know that uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, if that's how you say it, directed it, I'm definitely going to go check that out. But that's what we're not seeing. We're going to see his first breakthrough hit, which is Dogtooth. So be ready to... Uh, get a little bit odd. Things are going to get odd. Odd, odd tooth, hmm? maybe. Odd tooth, nice. I like it. Um, cool. Well, I look forward to seeing that at some point uh, this week, and then we will have another chat in a week's time. Let's do it. Right. Thanks. That was really great. Good one. Right. I've been dreadful, Danji. Um, if you do want to see any stuff about records, I've got a few videos on my youtube channel dreadful discs um looking at a couple of the band's albums and i'm definitely going to do a new video and uh, go over a few more because i've got all of their albums on vinyl uh, so i should get around to doing those asap uh, yeah i'm sam <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening and join us again next week Bye, everyone see ya Thanks for joining us on the podcast, guys. We're part of a new winter group, so head on over to anewwinter.com to check out our other shows. Go to patreon.com slash anewwinter to support the network. You can email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com and follow this and our other shows on Twitter and Instagram at anewwinter. So, see you next time on The Oddcast. flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.